If you can stop talking for 10 seconds, that would be fantastic. You want to hit the start timer on there? You want to hit... You want to start podcasting, genius? Like, well, I'm a young kid. I've watched a lot of this internet pornography. You guys know what I'm talking about. It's terrible. It is. It really ruins the brain, man. It does. It, uh, but like, you know, I've ruined because like I'm really into like like girls who are like clean down there. You know what I'm saying? Like shaved pussy, you guys. That's what I'm trying to say. I don't, don't want to be around the bush. No pun intended. So like, uh, but yeah, no. I mean, like. But I'm also into like a specific type of woman. You know, like I'm really into I'm really into cougars. Uh, I see a few in here tonight. I'm not gonna look at you or anything. Don't worry. Uh, yeah, no, but I don't know if you guys know this. Like the problem with with cougars and, and, and clean pussy, like they don't. That's that's a young girl's game, you know. Like that's. So I, I recently discovered that I'm like really into older women who are going through chemotherapy. It's fucking hot in here, Jesus, you guys. I'm sorry. It's fine. <laughs> you like that joke way too much. So. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Carnival Personnel Sideshow. I'm Jacques. I'm Joe. And today we have another guest who I've met in the cold, hard, uh, open mic circuit in, uh, in the greater uh, Boston area. Um, so we'll get right into it with everything, but... Uh, Hello, Paul. How are you? I'm I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. So I'm going to get right right into it right away. Paul, is the mustache part of the bit or did you have the mustache before comedy? Uh, someone was just asking me about this last night, too, actually. I have had or they were like, uh, did it start off as like a joke? And I was like, I guess it kind of did. I started growing a mustache my my senior year of college, I believe. And I couldn't really do it at the time. And then somewhere along the way, it filled in. And then I just kind of stuck with it, you know. And uh, my mom was never really a fan. She still isn't. But uh, I kind of like it. And uh, it's either it's like one of those things where you either love it or you hate it. You know, same way a lot of people feel about me, I think. <laughs> so here's here's take it from an old person. This is what's going to happen. And this is a decision you're going to have to make. If mm. you break with the mustache you have to keep it forever. It, 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 yeah. it becomes part of the persona. Like you yeah, don't true. have a choice. So if you break yeah. with the mustache, dude, it's a commitment for life. And then you host That's Jeopardy. True. And then 40 years later, people <laughs> vote on whether or not you keep the mustache. Yeah. Uh, no, it's funny. Like years back, I was managing this tool bag and I got invited to lunch. I don't even know if you know who this guy Bootsy Collins is. Huge, yeah, huge. Yeah. Okay. And I called a buddy of mine at one of the labels I was working with. And I'm like, do you want to go to lunch with Bootsy Collins? And he's like, no. And then we had this conversation about how tough it must be to be Bootsy Collins because you have to be Bootsy Collins all the time. Yeah. You you can't go out of your house without that persona. Like that yep. is it. That's who you are. So so I first of all, I'm a big fan of the stash. It's great. Oh, thank it, you. It, it, like all of my favorite, you know, 
late 70s early 80s nhl players all had the stash working for them yeah, so so absolutely. i'm definitely a fan uh so paul let's dive into your background a little bit where did you you said you mentioned college which um there's not a, there's not a lot of us uh, ex college people on the open mic circuit. It seems it seems yeah, like yeah yeah no I'm uh, <laughs> I'm one of the few people who graduated. I actually did get a degree uh, which I no longer use anymore. But uh, I went to Clemson University for four years from uh, 2016 to uh, 2020, which was a great time to be there if you're a football fan. And uh, I spent four years there. Got a degree in packaging science, and I I worked with that degree for about two three years after school i guess and then uh decided that i uh, didn't want to do something that soul-sucking with my life after you're just working for a, a corporate company large corporation um and i was like i'm gonna try and be a comedian full-time which was like the worst decision i ever could have made you know <laughs> agreed you can't because there's no money there's no money in it people people don't understand that especially in the beginning you know but i, I picked up a sales job too on the side and i have a a pretty supportive boss and it, it allows my schedule to be relatively flexible and so now i've uh I, you know people ask me what i'm doing and i'm like yeah i'm just trying to piece my life together one day at a time, you know, and doing, uh, doing stand up as much as I can. Well, a couple of things. First of all, what, what is your degree? I mean, I've never heard of this, like break down. Yeah. I, like, know. I need, I need to write more jokes about it too. People are always like, that seems like a lot of low hanging fruit, but yeah. So, uh, packaging science was like the, uh, Clemson Clemson's one of the few schools that has a program for it. There's probably about 10 schools in the country that offer like a similar degree, but it's like basically the design of like uh like structural design of like packages. So we learn about like uh material like kind of like material science stuff. So you like learn about plastics and papers and stuff like that. And then also like how to design an actual package. So anything from like clamshell packages, uh you know bottles, cans. I was working in paper, and so I worked for a, a cardboard box manufacturer for a while. And so we learned like structural design of boxes and stuff like that. And the only reason I got into that too is because I when I was going off when I was graduating high school, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And uh, I was, you know, supposed to declare some sort of degree. And I kind of knew I wanted to go some sort of like engineer route, I thought. Um, and uh, talked to a few professors at Clemson at the time because I was thinking I was going to go into mechanical engineering. And uh, I talked to a professor and he was uh, he was a packaging guy. He was mechanical uh, was his uh, undergraduate degree. And then he got a grad degree in packaging. And he was like, you know, he's like packaging is like a lot more hands on than like mechanical engineering. Like a lot of people think mechanical you're going to be designing a bunch of cool things and like doing that kind of stuff he's like they also don't realize it's like six different calculus courses and i was like i like math but not that much you know and so uh and he was like also the packaging department at clemson is like 95 percent job placement and i was like that sounds perfect for a guy who has no idea what he wants to do with his life you know and so i was you like if that... i can get a degree that'll pay me money i'll do that you know i was just thinking that that's actually stand-up company is actually the next logical leap from packaging <laughs> science you know? i agree i agree no i think it does make sense yeah it's, it's funny I, have a ton of, I still yeah i still have a ton of friends in packaging too and like one of my best friends is also a packaging guy and uh we're all kind of jumping ship now because we're like yeah it was great in college and now we're like i don't want to i don't want to design boxes for the rest of my life so like one of my buddies is trying to become a, a certified soil biologist and so he wants to do something uh with like permaculture farming or something like that i, I heard you run your ad on your podcast a few yeah, weeks yeah, he ago is, he's my it. one sponsor yeah my one sponsor for the podcast yeah he keeps me afloat well but, it's yeah, a very so he, interesting uh, sponsor i mean uh, i'm listening yeah. to that i'm thinking that's a guy i'd want to talk to you know yeah no he's a cool dude i honestly he's i think he's been on an episode of my podcast he was just running the sound for me basically and i was telling him to stop talking because i was trying to riff but uh no he's a good <laughs> dude i i have i do need a 
I need to, I need to actually sit down and have a conversation with him. He's a very interesting guy. Him and I are, are similar people, but yeah, same sort of deal where, you know, he was like, we went to college, you know, we got this job and now we're like, all right, I don't know if I want to do this for the next, you know, 30, 40 years of my life or whatever, which is a big ask too of something when, when they're like 20 years old, you know, and it's like, all right, you're going to pick something and you're probably going to do this for the rest of your life, you know? I know. Like, what's the next step? It's like, okay, guys, listen to me. Just hear me out. Step inside a box. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I, I have, and, and this is the God's honest truth. I have no idea what I'm going to be doing in a year from now, uh, six months yeah. from now. And Tonight. no, to, well, yeah, like, Joe's coming over and we watch like Paul Lynn on game shows from the 1970s or rewatch <laughs> yeah. a Star Wars special or, or Starsky yeah. and Hutch. Uh, no, but I mean, it's funny because I, I have a couple people. I've mentored around your age in different walks mm -hmm. of life. People have worked, lots of people have worked for me for different companies I've run or different, you know, endeavors I've come in and consulted on um, who've kind of ha have kept in touch. And, and, you know, I had somebody come over to, and I helped them with their resume a few weeks ago. And I'm like, dude, it's a long haul. You know, they're like, yeah. I, I don't oh, yeah. know if I want to do this or this. I'm like, what do you like to do? First of all, because yep. right now, and I say the same thing to you're not married. You don't have kids. Like, this is this is you, you and we'll get into it but you you talk a bunch about and i don't know if it's a bit or you're really thinking about going to denver but this is the time where you just say yeah i'm gonna go do that for a year or two or i'll yep. go there for you uh, around 25 is when i just something happened a, a bunch of things fell in place i had never been to la went yep. out to la to visit you know a, a, a pseudo brother of mine who's a rocket scientist at jpl Two days in, I was like, okay, I got to go home, get a van, get all my shit, and the band and I are just coming out here. Joe and I had a sketch comedy show that a, uh, uh, um, a UHF channel was interested in and all this stuff. is. So, no, this is a time where you're like, just fucking go. Don't make any life decisions now. Yeah, you know? for sure, for sure. Yeah, I think that's kind of what I realized too. Like a year ago, I was like, I was like, oh, I can literally do whatever I want with my life right now. You know, like I'm young enough because it's like, you, I think when like you're growing up, you're kind of told there's like a certain way to live your life, you know, and like what you should have, like some sort of plan. And then you get out of college and the world's like just wide open. It's like, oh, I could literally do whatever I want, you know, and I think that's the realization I came to recently. So, yeah, me and Nick uh, are talking about moving to Denver. We're actually bringing a, a squad of comedians out with us, too, is the plan. We're going to visit in like a month. And uh, the plan is to ultimately move there when our lease runs up, probably into the summer or something like that. But uh, yeah, so we're just going to check it out because we're like, yeah, why not? We're young. We have time to move around and stuff like that, too. And so who knows where we'll end up after that. But yeah, we're probably going to spend a year or two or something like that out there at least. I mean, and that's the awesome thing is now you got a degree. I mean, it, worst comes to worst, you can, you know, get a decent job doing something. But with all the geek yep. things, you can cobble something by for a while, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, and if you've got somebody to go with you, if you've got a, you know, a partner in crime, a safety net, that does make it easier. Um, are you, where are you from originally? Are you from the South? I, I know I'm you from South Carolina it. originally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm from South Carolina. I always say South Carolina. I spent about equal times in North and South Carolina, but I, uh, I grew up, I was born in Raleigh, North Carolina originally, and then moved to Clemson, South Carolina when I was like three and then spent a little bit of time in Winston-Salem, North Carolina as well, too, uh, during high school and then after college. But, yeah, I always say South Carolina just because it's easiest. But And my I parents still live down there. 
There, there's a song by the band Archers of Loaf, one of my favorite bands, called South Carolina, which is one of the greatest oh, yeah. songs ever. And it, literally, it's a great song. They came out of the ch- that Chapel Hill scene in like the mid oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 90s. That, again, before you were born, huge scene. Uh, it's funny. My dad was born in the part of North Carolina. I didn't really know my dad. Uh, but he was born in the part of North Carolina that used to be a state called Franklin. There's a Okay, fa- yeah, I know where Franklin is, yeah. And and then when Frank, it's funny because I didn't even know this. We've had, you know, we, we've had like 10, 12 states that were states that then went away at one point or another. And Franklin got up, you know, half of Franklin became South Carolina and half of Franklin became yeah. North Carolina. And that's, yeah. you know, you know where my dad came from. No, I've been I've been down there. One of my best friends, you know, the guy in my band for like absolutely ever he's in a band down there now and and absolutely loves it um but but now how come boston what you know so you get out of clemson you're working in packaging where were you working in packaging i was working in winston-salem north carolina at the time i was working on a box plant down there and then i think i was there for like a year and a half before i was i started telling my company i was like you know i think i want to move somewhere uh, just to experience something new. Cause like, I love the South. I do. I, I might end up going back there ultimately again someday, you know, it's a great place to live and it's cheap. But, um, I, uh, I told them I wanted to just experience something new and I had just gotten back from a snowboarding trip in uh, Utah with some of my buddies from high school. And I was like, if you could send me, I love the snowboard. That's like my other big hobby. And so I told them if you could send me somewhere where there's like mountains, that would be awesome. So I was hoping for the Rockies, you know, and then they came back to me and they're like, how do you feel about new England? And I was like, honestly, it's never even been on my radar. Uh, but yeah, sure. Why not? You know, I'm down for anything. I didn't care at that point in my life. And so they're like, okay, we've got a, a job opportunity at a, a plant in Devons, Massachusetts, kind of middle of nowhere, you know, um, like hour west of Boston, basically. And so I was like, yeah, sure. And like, I think like two weeks later, I moved up there and uh, just got an apartment. I was shocked by the cost of living difference up here compared to the Carolinas. But uh, yeah, I moved up here for the job and I did that job for about a year. And then I was like, all right, well, this uh, this is kind of trash. But about that same time, I started getting into stand-up comedy. And I was like, this is a pretty good place to be to do stand-up comedy. And so then I, I stuck around to do comedy, basically, is what kept me here. Um, yeah, Devons. Uh, is it is it Devons or is it Fort Devons, technically? Or is it yeah, are that different? So it is Fort Devons is, uh, is what it was originally. It's no longer an active military base. I know they still have some stuff. or I, they, I think they still have some training and stuff over there, but it's actually a town now, too. And so, like, there's uh, basically a big industrial park over there. And so there's a bunch of, like, uh, you know, random businesses and that kind of stuff over there. There's no one that really lives in the town. Like, there's a few homes and stuff like that. But I lived, like, you know, 20 minutes uh, east of there or something. Originally, nice. when I first moved up here, yeah, yeah, I went, I went to, uh, I, I don't want to. It's one of the bits I do where I'm like, I don't want to brag, but I went to Fitchburg State College, which is why I don't oh, want to yeah, brag. Oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah, and I know, yeah, I know, yeah, I know, like Fitchburg well too. Like a lot of the guys I worked with were from that area, Dude. Of Massachusetts and stuff too. And so, yeah, I worked with some real characters in the box oh. plant. It's definitely. Yeah. In the in the early eighties, mid eighties, they decided to put all these state colleges in the most depressed parts of the state <laughs> yeah. no no yeah, literally yeah. Like, like like let's give those regions first of all they could get property really cheap but like yeah, sure. salem state is salem mass is awesome but like uh, uh fitchburg state um bridgewater state uh north mm-hmm. my sister went to north adam state which mm-hmm. you, oh man if you ever <laughs> when my sister went there uh, she had nothing to do with this stat it had the distinction of having the highest rate of incest in a predominantly white community in north america and i'm, I'm not i wish you've seen my stuff 
I'm yeah, not, as a guy from the South, too, I find that shocking. Yeah, but yeah. I can't make that up. Like, like I'm not creative enough. Joe yeah, might be able no, to come up with something <laughs> like that. Um, but no, so, 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 yeah, that region, it's like, so, okay, now we're going to get into the comedy stuff. So you, what point do you say, all right, you know, I don't want to be Jim from the office at this cardboard box saying, I'm kind of a funny guy. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go do an open mic. Yeah, yeah. So, um, my my job, uh, the reason I didn't get into it before, I actually thought I wanted to try comedy back when I was still living in North Carolina, and I'd gone to one open mic, um, actually like a relatively well known club for the Carolinas at least, a place called the Idiot Box in Greensboro, North Carolina, and they run a bunch of open mics and stuff like that. And I went there to one open mic in North Carolina just to check it out. And I hadn't done any stand up or like written any jokes at that point, but I just went and watched. And I was like, I could totally do this. Like, this is something I'm very into. And then I moved up here and I was just working so much because I was working like 12 hour shifts in the plant. I was a production supervisor. And so I was just on all the time. And uh, I never really had time to like get out and do those kind of things. And so when I quit my job, I was uh, I was couch hopping for five months. I used to write a bunch of jokes about being homeless. I was I was living a very luxury homeless lifestyle, but um, <laughs> I moved in with some friends. Yeah. And so I was I was like, you know, I just started a new sales job. And uh, like literally like right when I started that job, I was like, all right, now's the time to give this a shot. You know, and so I went out to my first open mic in uh, Manchester, New Hampshire, because I was crashing with some people in New Hampshire at the time. And um it's a mic that's no longer run anymore. It's I'm trying to I can't even remember the name of it. I want to say it's the Imperial Lounge. It's like this Dominican club in uh in Manchester, like right on Elm Street. Hilarious place. Uh, got a bunch of good people there too, and so I a bunch of the guys that I'm still friends with and know too were there. But uh, yeah, I mean that was only a year ago now. Like I'm coming up on a year in like two weeks, and so. Um, but yeah, that's, that's how I got into it. And like immediately, like after that first night, I was like, I was like, this is the, this is the shit right here. I was like, there is nothing better in my life than I've experienced than like, you know, just getting up on stage and telling jokes. You know, I was like, I was like, this is something that I'm like very passionate about, you know? Did you, when you walked into the place, did you know anybody when you walked in? No, no, but this is actually, yeah, no, <laughs> I, um, uh, I didn't know anyone. I didn't know a single person. And uh, I, I met some of the many characters. I met uh, one of the first people I met was Dana Fuller, who I, I heard you guys had a run in the other night, which is pretty funny. Too. You heard? Okay. I was just telling Joe. I was talking to Braden about it. Yeah. I was just before we got on. I'm like, and I said, I'm not bringing this up. I'm just yeah. letting <laughs> oh, this no, go. I, no, you can, you can say whatever you want about Dana. No, I love the kid. Um, Dana, I know, is absolutely a, a, a wild card, though. Um, we're actually talking about bringing him out to dinner with Denver with us, too, because uh, we, we, we do love Dana. Dana. I, and I will say Dana's gotten he's he cleaned up his act a lot, too, because literally the first time I met him, this kid was so fucked up on like pills or, or or just drunk or whatever that like he he could he could barely make out words. And I was like, where the fuck am I right now? Who are these people that I'm surrounded by at this open mic? And I watched him go up on stage, too, and just basically mumble for like five minutes straight. And I was like, I was like, am I in the right place? Like, is this people doing stand up comedy? But, yeah, no, I've, I've hung out with Dana since the bunch. And like, you know, he's a wild dude. He's. That guy's got crazier stories than anyone I've ever met in my life, and uh, he's definitely. I think comedy's been one thing that's been really good for him too, because it's uh, it's helped him piece his life back together a little bit too. But yeah, crazy dude. I uh, he's pretty harmless though too, so I wouldn't worry about him too much. And I, well, I'll I'll back you up if you ever need it. <laughs> well, no, that I mean that's the funny thing, and I I wasn't going to talk about it, and I'll be really polite and I'll I'll keep it short. Yeah. But it was one of those things where something kind of went sideways a few weeks ago i i'm completely I'm, I'm about five months into this i mean yeah. joe and i joe and i did stand up in the 90s in la and since then gone on to do a bunch of tv stuff movie stuff other stuff whatever um uh, but this is this was my first thing like like you know growing up 
just as a kid, you know, you know, it's funny when my dad did leave when I was six, uh, the few things he left behind was a stack of, you know, and I, I'm a big, you know, you know, grunge punk guy, but my dad mm. left a stack of old country stuff like the yeah. old stuff. So I will always like, like, like if, if a song like, you know, uh, Mama Try comes on. Oh, I love that song. Dude. That's like one of my all-time favorite songs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just stop whatever you're you fucking doing. Yeah. And it just, every single time, it hits you like a ton of bread. Oh, that's yeah. and And I hate to say it, but my dad had every Bill Cosby album, which, you know, oh, I yeah. can quote from start to finish. I just, yeah. just absolutely loved it. So, look, I don't know anybody doing this. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? And I won't let anybody come see it. Like, Joe's gone to the two book shows I did, and I met Nick, yeah. the first book show that I did. Uh, I would not in a billion years subject my wife to any, uh, you know, uh, 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 of this awfulness. But, you know, some go sideways, and I'm kind of like, eh, and I kind of let it go. And then he made a couple other comments, and it's at the safe, and it's a tiny room. And I'm like, you know, he made comments because I, I very often wear Hello Kitty t-shirts. Oh, yeah, almost, yeah, yeah, almost yeah. exclusive. This are my Golden Girls shirts. I, I honestly, yeah. I, and that's just the last few months. But yeah. I, I, from age five to six months ago, all I wore was Batman shirts. But I put on a hundred pounds in the last year, and I can't fit in any of my Batman stuff. Uh, and he's mocking me when I'm doing my bid. And then when he gets up, he keeps going, and I'm like, "Hey, dude, great stuff. We can talk about this outside if you want." And, <laughs> and a couple couple people laugh. I get home. And I call one of my brethren, uh, my, my bass player forever, great guy, uh, you know, he, he lives in Austin. You know, he's one of these guys who's a studio musician, bass player, um, and an executive at Apple. And, and I'm talking through what's going on, and he's like, dude, what are you doing? It's like, what, what, what are you doing? And, and I'm not saying this in a, in a funny way. I have a... A violent past. <laughs> like, like yeah. if I shave, I, you know, I, I have about 400 stitches, nose broken seven times. I don't, I mean, one of the pupils is, I mean, I got to play minor league hockey without great skating abilities because I was yeah. a fighter, you know? Oh, yeah. I, nice. You were a goon. I, 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 like, if you see my hands, I've had two fingers sewn back on from having them stepped on in the middle of melees. And in high school, in the 80s, they didn't have a thing called MMA. But yeah. we we did MMA like, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I do this. I do this. And all through my band life, there's this guy, John, who I talked to. Dude, I got it. Uh, no, you weren't there, Joe. Like my band started a riot at a hillbilly club and, and I got charged with 13 accounts of assault and battery. The same. Oh, night. my God. Yeah. And Paul, it's one of the greatest moments of my life. I still have the police file. It's this thick. I'm 145 pounds, 150 pounds. I'm playing college hockey. Yeah. I'm playing in this band. And the judge, and this was a year to get to this point. Yeah. I do feel bad. And I, I don't remember people's names, but Paul Korhoski is the guy whose back I broke. And I'm standing there, and they're all no-necks. They're all the bouncers. And these. And the judge looks at me and my my, you know, attorney, you know, one of the court-appointed guys. And this mob lawyer with 13 people. And he's like, he beat them up yeah, yeah, yeah. and there's just a pause and he's like yeah case dismissed and it was like, <laughs> you're into it so so and and the, the sick thing is it's like i have a friend an actor friend and we were in a bar once in la 
I go to the bathroom. We're with these two girls. I go to the bathroom. I come back and I tap on this guy's shoulder and I'm like, and, and I used to drink. I don't drink anymore. And mm. I was told, I said something along the lines of, hey, we're going to play a game called get the fuck out of my chair. Let me go over the rules. You get the fuck out of my chair. And the guy stood up and he kept standing up. And he kept standing up. My my friend Scott says, you get this crazed ferret look in your eye like, oh, this is going to be a good one. And people just walk away. And so, I, I, you know, there's an old bit, there's an old Marx Brothers bit that I kind of turned into a new joke. There's an old Marx Brothers Groucho thing where he says, uh, you know, one of his nemesis, like, you know, was it, you know, uh, you know, him and his horse were in an accident. Oh, my God, that's awful. Is the horse okay? So yeah. I, 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 I'm at Strange Brew last week. And I did. I start the set because I know Dana's there. I'm like, hey, I found out this guy I know don't really like got stabbed. And I felt really bad. I'm like, oh, man. Now that knife has chlamydia. Uh, <laughs> that's and, good. No, that's great. Right. Yeah. And, and then I go on to talk about the worst roommates I ever have and the whole punchline. It's my kids. And then I talk yeah. about, you know, being an old guy, having socks older than you or, you know, t- that yeah. kind of thing. And then because I'm not a dick, I stayed for about 10 people after me, you know, because mm. like Danny P, um, yeah. uh, uh, Derek went up. I mean, these are people who if I wasn't doing open mic. I never leave the house, but I would go see. I mean, people I generally yeah. make me laugh. The guy who roasted yeah, Benny. Totally. Benny had two lines that night. Uh, 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 Katie got off stage, and she had a bit about, like, being in from the good section of Lowell. And he's like, yeah, the good section of Lowell. You mean Drake it. And it just killed yeah. me. Yeah. You, know, when, you know, anyways. And I'm leaving, and, he, and he's following me out. And I'm like, dude, are we – are we doing this? And we go outside and, and he's yelling at me. And in my head, I'm thinking last week I was in an open mic where somebody told me a guy I don't know uh, uh, beat the crap out of him because he walked up to him at a bar and says, hey, this isn't your girlfriend or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one night at the safe, uh, he, you know, I, I, I didn't know what was going on, but he was in an argument with that guy for tone about stealing his joke and a rap battle or something like I mean, all these things. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm doing the he's yelling at me about you need to have a thicker skin. I'm like, you just followed me out. Cause I made one joke. Like, like, and I'm like, Dana, do you see the hilarious irony that you're yeah. yelling at me? Yeah. Not letting something go. And I was just telling Joe, like I'm smart enough not to turn my back when somebody's mad at me, <laughs> like I, you know, and I'm like, dude, you know, and I did, I left, I got home, Paul. And I'm like, what what are, you, what are you doing, Jack? And I reached out to him on Instagram. I'm like, you know what, dude? I don't drink. I don't know if you do, but beer's on me next time. This is stupid. Yeah. I'm older than your dad. You know, so I apologize. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, and it's true. Paul, oh, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> like, you know? Oh, yeah, no, I hear you. And this is the I will say Dane is Dane is pretty quick to forgive and forget and uh, especially forget, you know. <laughs> so so let's get uh, all about you. First of all, you go into this open mic. You know nobody. Yep. It's an hour drive from Manchester yep. to Devons. Are you doing yep. the routine your whole time or are you doing the Paul what are you doing? Why are I, you doing I, this? I wrote I wrote I wrote like four or five jokes and I had one joke that I think was actually okay. And it's one that's kind of morphed and I have, it's a little on the edge of your side, but the first joke I ever wrote was, I was like, I was, uh, it was, um, 
I'm trying to think of how this goes. It was, uh, I would always say, yeah, I'm from South Carolina. And I'd always be like, yeah, people are surprised when they hear I'm from South Carolina because like, I don't really have an accent. You know, people are always like, oh, you don't sound like you're from the South, which is funny because everyone in my family, you know, they have the accent. I didn't inherit the accent from my family though. The only thing I inherited was the racism and the misogyny. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I told this joke too. Yeah. And, uh, it was funny too. Cause it was like, it was in Manchester, New Hampshire too. And uh, big, big massage fans up there. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. And they, no, they, they are, they are racist. Yeah. yeah, exactly. No, but it was uh, it was funny. It was like I said, it was a Dominican club, too. And so I'm completely out of place. And there was probably like half the half the people in there. There was maybe 15 people in there, but like half people in there were black. There was a huge group of black people. And then uh, Juan Cespedes. Have you ever met Juan? I don't think I have. He's a Dominican guy, Dominican guy, but he was the host of the open mic. They were all super chill about it too. But the, the second I said that, I was like, I'm kidding you guys. I'm not racist. I was like, I'm just a misogynist, you know, or whatever. And then I did some <laughs> whole bit on misogyny, you know, right afterwards, which hit too. And like everyone was, I, there were a bunch of people. I met Danny P that time for the first night that night too. And they're all like, oh yeah, come out to Strange Brew on Thursday. And I can't remember if I went that week or if I went the week after, but yeah, I mean, I started just hitting up those mics regularly after that. Cause I was like, this is great. And just basically doing it every night, you know, I was driving, uh, I was living in uh, uh, Exeter, Mass or Exeter, New Hampshire at the time. Uh, was where I was crashing with some people. Um, I, I like I said, I couch hopped for a little bit, but um, and so I was driving everywhere. Like I, on Wednesday nights, I was driving all the way down to uh, Cambridge to hit up the Middle East, and that was one of the first places I met. Have, have you met Josh Day? Yeah, yeah. The uh, yeah. I, I'll tell you, I'll I'll send you a picture <laughs> of him, Joe. He has the most majestic yeah. hair. Like he's oh, a yeah, big guy. He's like six yep. three, six yep. four. Shoulders is wide, and I mean he's literally something out of a medieval knight novel with this <laughs> flowing white hair. That's that's yeah. is it like yeah, it's it is it's majestic. I don't think of a better word. Yep, yep. And so that was his mic was like one of my favorite mics in the beginning too, because he was just really supportive of new comics. And so like I went in there and he was. Uh, he was like, was this really like your, I think it was like my third time or fourth time getting up. And he's like, Are you, have you really only been doing this for like two weeks? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, yeah, you're, you're good, man. You know, keep it up. And so that was like just stuff like that, you know, is always helpful. And uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I, I fell in love with it after that. And it was funny. I've gotten to a point too. I think I got about six months in and I was, I remember talking to some other comics and stuff too. And they're like, oh yeah, I ended up scrapping a lot of my early material and stuff. And I was like, that's crazy. I would never do that. And then I got about six months in and I wrote one new joke and I was like, this is actually a really good joke. And then I looked at all my other material and I was like, everything I've written since then is crap. And so I scrapped about everything yeah. I'd written from the first six months. And then I've, I've just built on since then too. But it's, uh, it's funny just like the path you take and like seeing, I always like seeing new people too. Cause every once in a while I'll see someone who I'm like, Oh, this kid's really good. Um, and then, you know, just like you can tell when people kind of get it, you know, and like they have that spark in them and they're like, Oh yeah. They're like, this is the thing I really like to do, you know? And like I said, I've only been at it for a year now. So I, I try not to pretend like I know everything, but I've uh, I've figured some things out. Me and me and Nick have obviously started producing some shows and stuff too, and have had a, a good bit of success with it so far. But yeah, I mean, I I, I love doing comedy more than anything in the world, honestly. I've uh, I've been dating uh, on and off for the past year or two, and I uh, Patrice, do you know Patrice O'Neill? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Patrice has always been one of my favorite comics. I think he was like one of the the first people that really inspired me, even before I started doing stand up. I used to always listen to his podcast, or he had a, a radio show called The Black Phillip Show, and it was like a very crude dating advice show. That's I think one of the funniest <laughs> things of all time. But um, there's like a, a line, and I it was either from a stand up or from the radio. But he always talks about how he's like, you know, he's like, I tell my girl like the most important things in my life are me, my career, my mother, and then like number seven is like her or something like that, you know. And so as I've every time I've been dating a girl, I'm like. 
I'm like, look, the number one thing in my life is stand up comedy. Like I hate and I'm like, I'm like, this is the only thing I'm not joking about. I was like, everything else is a joke. And I was like, but I'm dead serious about the comedy thing, you know? And so uh, it's one of those things where, like, I think for a lot of people, it's like more of a compulsion, you know, like some people like just like doing it because it's fun. And it is. It's awesome, you know, but like I it was the first time in my life where I'm like, oh, this is something that I want to do all the time, nonstop, you know? Well, you've pushed the chips all all in. You have the the Carmen yeah, Comedy absolutely. Podcast. <laughs> no, I mean, the, I look, look uh, again. This is the age to do it. I mean, I mean, I mean, one hundred percent. This is the age, you know, to do it. Yeah. Uh, well, every age is the age to do it. That, that's a dumb thing yeah. to say. But you have it, like, and I wanted this to is find the age out. It makes sense for you to do it. Like, it makes when sense. We're, yeah, we're yeah. not. This doesn't make any fucking sense. I don't know what we're doing here. I'm actually. Yeah. I'm, this is the first time I've talked in about three podcasts. So, you know, yeah. congratulations on getting to hear that. No, but it, no, it, yeah, you're right, Jack. No, it's funny because, you know, you know, what one of my best friends, our other co-hosts, we're on a hockey team and we're, you know, in our mid-50s. But, like, th there's a guy who's the greatest guy in my life, my mentor. He's 71. He's this gigantic yep. lawyer. In L.A., we get up once a week and go to the rink because we get the rink to ourselves yep. at 530 in the morning. Mm. what are we doing <laughs> like like yeah, like yeah, yeah. are we getting any better it's just to slow our, our rate of decline so yeah it makes no sense to put as much time as hockey as i do but with you doing it i mean when i say i'm so admire what you and nick are doing and i mean that on every level i admire i admire two things a you're one of the funniest fuckers out there and and, and <laughs> i'm not i'm that. not talking here like I yeah. spent, I spent a lot of time in LA. I have yeah, two I really good friends. Yeah, I haven't said anything funny on this podcast so far. But no, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, 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 club, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, if you've ever accidentally laughed at something I've said, Paul, ninety. Oh no, I, yeah. 90% it came from Joe. Like, I'm great. <laughs> I'm great at the setups of long-winded stories that go nowhere. But if there's yeah. a punchline that's made you laugh. a joke in there, maybe. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's Joe. But no. I mean, two things. You are incredibly funny, and I want to talk about your material in a second. But I absolutely admire that I'm I'm completely new to Instagram. But every time I'm on there, seven nights a week, you're out there doing something. Um, yeah. And I and, and I'm like, wait a minute. You have your own open mic. It's like was Thursday was Tuesday the one night you couldn't find a mic, so you're like, yeah. fuck it, I'm gonna start my own mic. Or did you say, look? Part of being a good stand-up is all these comics I like, like Josh, when you got into it, he hosted yep. a mic. Does that give yep. me more stage time if I'm doing a couple minutes? Yep. You got the podcast, you open your own you host your own open mic with Nick, and you are out there seven nights a week on average, I would say. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I yeah, it's one thing like we we both love doing it. Like uh, obviously like mics are grind. We started the Winter Hill open mic too, which is it's gonna it's be I'm, I'm making an announcement here now I, I don't think nick will care but yeah it's turning into a monthly mic now too the, the bar hasn't been as supportive of the mic as, as we have which is shitty but it, i mean it is what it is um and so uh we'll be doing a, a once a month showcase and a once a month mic there so it'll be kind of like a, a more event thing now too but um yeah no i mean we started that mic too like one uh just because we we're like this is a good opportunity to one get more stage time and like get up there i need to practice hosting too i always knew like I still Nick's better at hosting than I am, in my opinion. He's got a unique style, but um, uh, it's just one of those things I need more experience doing. And so I was like, yeah, let's start hosting an open mic. And then on top of that, it's like just having more spaces where people can go and like get up and, and, and try stuff out, I think is important, you know? And like, there's a lot of mics too. Like, honestly, I always say Strange Brew is one of my favorite mics. 
in uh, New England because like the setup for the room's perfect. Ben's a great host, uh, and just like the way it is, like you can actually get decent crowds out there sometimes too. Because there's so many mics uh, around Boston, especially that are like an absolute slog, you know, where you go and you're just talking in a room of like literally screaming people, you know, and like, I think those rooms are valuable too, because like, that's when you can like really like start to know your material, you know, because like, I remember the first time I did a room like that. And uh, actually, one of the craziest shows we ever did was a, a show for uh, Dana, one that Dana had booked. And he did a great job promoting and everything, too. It was just a, a terrible venue set up for it. And they hadn't like sold tickets in advance. I believe it was a free show. And it was at uh, Borden Brews in uh, Manchester, New Hampshire. And it's like the worst possible setup for comedy because people go there and they go, they pay $5 to sit down at a table and play a board game. And so people are very focused on playing a board game. And then we're in the corner with a PA system trying to scream jokes at them. And people are like, what the fuck are you doing right now? Like, I'm trying to focus on playing Catan. And I've always said, like, <laughs> the difference between like that, like me, like if I'm up there on stage, like trying to tell jokes and people are doing something like that. I was like, there's no difference between me and a homeless person like screaming in a Starbucks right now. I was like, the only difference is I have a microphone right now, you know, and so like. <laughs> I think, but like, it's like being in a situation like that is also helpful too. Cause like it throws you off so much where like you're expecting the laughs and stuff like that. You really start to learn your material. But yeah, I mean, that was the reason, long story short, that's the reason me and Nick started the winter Hill open mic is just cause like we wanted more spaces for people to come out and like one, like a, a lot of open mics for a slog. And so we wanted a place that's like actually fun. Like people are relatively supportive and just a decent room for people to try out new material. Cause I mean, there's. And there's a lot of comics too who are like, oh, open mics aren't that valuable after the first year or whatever. I don't think that's true. I think uh, I think it's always super valuable to just get on stage and try new stuff out all the time and just even even those mics that are like I said, just an absolute slog. Like there's value to that too and just learning your material and getting better and better. Like uh, I was watching. Have you met Sam Mangano? I mean, you've probably seen him at Strange Brew last night, right? Or before, uh, I guess. Probably. I'm not great with you recognize him. He's yeah. uh he's a very he's a very very good comic. He's he's very seasoned. He's still a young guy too. I mean, I think he's only 29, but uh he's become a good buddy of mine, but like he's I think uh one of the one of the better. He he headlined our first show at the Riverwalk actually and like he's like a guy I look at. It's just like an absolute pro. I saw him at City City Winery last night in Boston and like his every everything about his delivery style and like his writing and stuff like that is just so tight and like it's it shows that it like I, he's a guy i know who's the same way too who's just always hitting something every single night and like it just shows i mean it's just putting the hours and the work in and stuff too and like you can tell the difference between like you know someone who can write an okay joke every once in a while and someone who's like really gotten it down to like a science you know and so um uh, but yeah i mean like i said starting an open mic was helpful just because it gave other people the opportunity it gave me and nick the opportunity to just get more stage time too so well, it, not just more stage time, but a, a stage time in a different capacity, which is different. Mm -hmm. It's a different muscle. It's like skipping leg day. Like if oh, you yeah, can absolutely. be a good host, that's that that translates into so many other things. No. Yep. And and I like what you said about being in a room that, you know, sucks. I mean, yeah. A great comic can walk in, you know, any of the comics that, you know, that, that we like, you know, like a Tom Papa can go into the shittiest room and yep. take it over right away. Yep. I mean, so yep. if you can go to a place and it's funny because it, it, it's all part of the learning process. And I know, I know people are like, Oh, I don't want to go there because I, I, certain reasons it's like, Oh, it's this, or it's that. It's like, if you're not funny in that room, if you're joke, like it's a great skill set to be able to, can you, can you find something that, that makes sense for being there? But if a room doesn't work, because like you're saying, people are playing the board games, uh, Katie ran this great, um, a book show, female only comics and like i said i never leave the house unless i have to i hate it it's painful it's excruciating for me to leave um 
But it was right down the street in Lowell. Katie's great. She's very funny. So yeah. I'm going to be supportive and go. It's that yeah. place called Concept Six. Yeah, yeah. Horrible. It was. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was packed. And yeah. great oh, yeah. for her. And I, I met her at the safe, and, and half the folks from the safe were there. And it made me yeah. feel really good to see so many people show up for a friend. Uh, yep. I love that. I love the community building. I, I do. I, you know, there, there's a difference between a community and clicks. And, and yep. in this case, it felt like a community. Uh, and I get a good spot along the wall halfway. I'm straining by the second comic to hear almost anything because yep. it was so loud. It had a great atmosphere, yeah. uh, but it, I felt bad. I'm like, you know, Katie filled the place, packed the place. Yep. But yep. the bad thing is it's a place that doesn't have a PA for if yep. you pack the place. So it was your own worst enemy. Yeah. Have you have you done that mic before? I did just maybe two or three weeks before. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I get there because it's like, oh, the list is out like 6.30. So I go, I sign up, and the guy's like, oh, we don't really get starts like 9.30. And then it really yeah, starts yeah, taking yeah, off at like yeah. 10.30. And I'm like, it's yeah. a school night? And yeah. so, but I went home for a couple hours. I signed up. I came back. I did it. And it's exactly what you were saying. The closest person was halfway away. You know, yeah. it's not my place. It's an art gallery yeah. with like, you know, young fucks. And yeah, uh, yeah. just a bunch of hipsters. Yeah. Right. Like like the whole hipster douchebag vibe set to 11. Yeah. But in my head, it's like, OK, this is what I was going to do tonight. I'm going to yeah. do this other stuff. And the fact that I got a couple chuckles with. But it was just, again, the acoustics and the way everybody was. I'm like, I, uh, you know, I. I'll get out as much as I possibly life allows me to. Um, yeah. You know, I you know I fucked up and married somebody I love, and yeah, you know have these kids that I'm semi attached to, and so it's like I can't like seven nights of the week. Which which there there's been a couple nights where I've done two mics, or I've got out four times, and I feel like oh man, this is what I miss this when I was in a band and we were on a tour. Anyways, but uh, yeah. but no, but, but that skill. The other thing that you know I I do like your material. I've seen you now. I've done close to sixty. I think like like fifty eight, fifty nine mics because I mm -hmm. methodically track everything because I'm an self spreadsheet guy. And yeah. uh, I've seen you a dozen times. I haven't seen you repeat a lot of bits. Yeah. And sometimes I don't know if you're just free flowing. And sometimes yeah. you're so committed to the stuff that falls out of your pie hole. I'm like, was he in the military? Because wait, is he? Is he really asking for heroin? Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, sometimes my delivery can be like very, very dry. And like I do, I like when you can really, really hard commit to a bit. And I think me and Nick have like both done that with a little bit of our jokes too. And like Nick has a few where he like really just, we were on a show like two weeks ago in uh, in, in Manchester and Nick, uh, Nick was struggling. It was a tough room, but Nick was struggling towards the end. And he was doing a new joke that I think is hilarious. And the the audience is just having none of none of it. And he just doubled down, which is awesome. But the like, horse, uh, the yeah, horse stuff, the transplant. Horse Dude, it, yeah, it yeah. was I've heard it. And it was like, it's, oh, it was great. it's really funny. Now, it is. It's like the, it's one of those things. It's like very absurd. And so like me and Nick, we write together a lot, too. But yeah, I mean, we write all kinds of stuff. But yeah, I mean, I think uh, I mean, there is something really funny about just committing to a bit. But yeah, I'd say. Like, I think 70% of my material always has, like, some, like, relative, like, truth to it, you know? Like, a lot of the stuff I write, like, is, like, inspired by my life. And then oftentimes, too, like, 
like you said, I do like I try. Um, I'm I'm one of these guys too, and I've talked to a lot of my friends. I know a lot of comics struggle with the same thing. I was literally just talking to Dane about this yesterday too. It's like we do, uh, you know, you have jokes that work, and I'm like one of these guys who like if I tell the same joke over and over again the same way, uh, I'm gonna like I'm like I'm a fucking hack. I'll like I'll be like this is a terrible joke, even if the joke works. And then like when you stop thinking the joke is funny, it becomes less funny for the audience too. And so there's a part of you that really has to buy that what you're saying is, is genuinely funny, you know, cause like, uh, or at least in my case, you know, cause it, it, the second you stop thinking it's funny, it's not going to hit as hard, you know? And so I'm always trying to do new stuff, but uh, every once in a while I'll get up there and riff. Um, a lot of things, a lot of my best ideas will come to me either right before I get on stage or, uh, or like right before I'm going to bed, which is the worst possible time. I know worst. other people have experienced that too. It sucks. It's terrible. Um, I was talking to someone else about this the other day too. It's like, I will get an idea and then I'll be like, I have to write this down because the, and I saw someone posting on like Reddit or something about this the other day too. They're like, oh yeah, if I, they'll be like, I don't have to write it down. Like I'm going to remember it tomorrow and it's gone forever, you know? And so it's like the thought of being like, I'm about to go to bed trying to write something down. And then the ideas just keep coming. I don't know why it is anytime I'm trying to go to sleep and then I'm up till two in the morning, you know, writing down dumb ideas. And I like try and look at it the next day. I'm like, what the fuck was I talking about? You know? But, uh, does a box yeah, designer just... ever slip in every by accident, you know, like while you're coming up with the jokes? Like, oh man, no, 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 not time. We have no time for the box designs. I have to get back to <laughs> yeah. writing the jokes. Uh, <laughs> um it's funny. I uh I didn't uh i didn't do a lot of the structural design stuff but um uh, i've definitely i'll have nightmares about that kind of stuff every once in a while i worked in a plant uh the box plant i worked in it was like absolute chaos which is one of the reasons i, I got out of it but um uh like i would have nightmares every once in a while. like i was working there and there was a fire one time i was the only supervisor working it was like it was like 30 minutes before the end of my shift or something like that too it was like 6 30 at night and one of our machines caught fire which is a disaster in a in a paper plant and like we had so many violations like our plant was in like terrible shape and like uh we had just like piles of dust and like loose paper everywhere which is like a huge problem and so i do have nightmares about that every once in a while like thinking about the box plant or just you know constant paper cuts on my hand that was a very real thing too oh. but yeah it uh oh. it, it bleeds in every once in a while but all that becomes comedy too you know i was just thinking when you were back when you turned homeless i mean what a no better thing to no better position to be in to have and uh, the knowledge of building boxes. You know what I mean? like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it's you're gonna need yeah. that expertise for a couple. Yeah, of I'm gonna steal that. That's that's my bit now. Thank you, okay. Joe. No, I, I, you know what? I was afraid to say it because I thought you already used it. <laughs> no, I haven't. No, I. Uh, okay. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, no, that's that's great. But um, yeah, no, it's funny. We uh, the company I worked for too. Like we were, we always did make really weird things. Um, like uh, I worked for uh, or one, the company I worked for. One of our biggest customers was Smithfield Foods. And so, um, uh, we, uh, we'd make, uh, this box called the carcass box. And it was like literally just this giant box that they would ship like half the pig carcass in when they were oh. done, like gutting the entire pig. Actually, that was, I will say I did get to do some really interesting things during that job. One of the craziest things I saw was when I was working down in the plant in North Carolina, there was, um, uh, one of, like I said, Smithfield was one of our biggest customers and the, uh, largest, uh, animal byproduct and kill facility in the world is actually based in, um, I'm trying to think of the town. It's uh, it's like uh, Eastern North Carolina. Um, I don't know. It'll come to me, but it's like it's like maybe uh, an hour like east of Raleigh or something like that. But I had the privilege of going to this facility, and it is just the craziest thing you'll ever see in your life. I think they slaughter like almost fifty thousand pigs a day between that plant and one other plant. And so, like at this one facility, they they literally kill thirty thousand pigs a day. And so, we were providing boxes for these guys. 
And uh, the the cra- I should write a joke about this too. The craziest part is there's a guy like their job. The way they they kill these pigs is they're like I think they gas them or something too when they're like disoriented because they have like a a they have tractor trailers that come in all day long just filled with pigs, like 250 pigs per trailer or something like that. And then they literally dump them like onto like an, a conveyor line and the pigs are like disoriented. And there's guys whose job is to stand there and slit the throats of these pigs for a 12 hour shift. Oh. And like these guys, like, I, I have no idea how you go home at the end of the day. And also what it would be like talking to a dude like that. But I know it's not a guy I would mess with. Right. But, right. Yeah, I can't you, you're going to piss. The, if Dana follows that guy out of the boat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, Dana's, oh. I know Dana's worked some jobs like that too. And so Dana's probably met some people like that as well too. But yeah, no, that's the guy that I would never mess with in my life. But yeah, I was like, like I said, one of the interesting things about working in a box plan is we always worked for weird customers and, you know, had interesting stuff like that. I uh, We also had a big customer, too. Uh, RJ Reynolds was a big customer of ours. And then I guess Philip Morris was for a little while, too. But uh, if you don't know them, they're a tobacco manufacturer. Uh, yeah, heard, RJ Reynolds. I've heard of them once or twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so they were they were based out of Winston-Salem, too. And so I, I had the opportunity to tour their plant, too. And, like, that's a, a crazy place to work. I have some buddies from high school who have been working in, like, their marketing department, too, that make an obscene, obscene amount of money doing cigarette marketing. Uh, they, that's, like, one of the highest-paying jobs out there, I think. But um uh, yeah I mean this uh, I was I I'm I've debated or I debated too for a little while just picking up a, a cigarette machine operator job over there they're kind of tough to get the jobs because they only like hire people they really trust but like I think starting pay for a, a an operator of a cigarette machine is like was I mean five years ago is like thirty eight dollars an hour so it's probably up to like forty dollars an hour starting to make yeah just make run a cigarette machine all day well, long where do they have cigarette machines anymore we're in mass we don't even have them there right. Oh yeah, no. So uh, not like not like the dispensers, them. but like the 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 physical oh, the, machine, oh, the maker, machine yeah, that no. actually makes them. Yeah, yeah. Well, in, in forty I an hour for hand roll, you're, you're <laughs> yeah, forty dollars. Yeah, forty dollars an hour. <laughs> forty isn't a lot of money an hour, except it. And you're somewhere like Winston Salem, where you, you can yeah. go out and buy a man. And I'm not being funny. It's like you know, I just know people. Anyways, no, it, it's funny because also it, you get all the cigarettes you can smoke too, which is a pretty yeah. good perk oh, of the job. Yeah. As well. I'm so <laughs> dense. I I just realized that Winston and Salem cigarettes are named after Winston Salem. Yep, North after Carolina. the town. Yep. Yeah. Is there Correct. a camel in yeah. North Carolina as well? <laughs> there is not a camel in North Carolina now. <laughs> but they uh, have you ever seen the movie Thanks for Smoking? No, no thank you for smoking. Thank you for seeing. Yeah, it won oh, a yeah, shitload yeah, yeah. of awards. It it was a really, really, it was great. It was absolutely, yeah. absolutely great. But no, I mean, you know, I'm so grossed out by your story just because, first of all, it's just a gross story, and the fact that that's somebody's job, it's like, huh, how does somebody turn into a serial killer who just mutilates bodies? It's like, well, his day job is. Funny I yeah, stuff. I mean, I think it's yeah. I also I I felt like it was vice versa. You know, it's like I feel like they have to find somebody who's like, yeah, I've killed a few people before, and they're like, I'll slaughter the picks now yeah that's oh. fine with me or it's like yeah. an art or it's like uh, uh what's the um what's the serial killer show what's the guy's name I'm, i don't know why i'm blanking on this oh dexter dexter yeah dexter yeah it's like a dexter guy and they're like oh yeah this guy's like i just need to get rid of these urges so he's like if i could kill a few thousand pigs a day that'd be awesome right right no way hey if you can turn that no because i i drive <laughs> like i i've joe and i've driven across country i've driven across country and been in tours and all that stuff my boys have gone yeah. from boston la but you go through a place that there's a slaughterhouse and yeah. you're talking 10 miles in each direction the stench yeah. of of, of oh, yeah. that is pretty, and I always think somebody lives here. Like in Lowell, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like between Lowell and Drake, it there's a treatment plant, and honestly, depending on some days, it's like 
it's 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 like you you try to hold your breath for like those two miles and there's an yeah. apartment building like a you quarter mile like a candy factory to be built next door so yeah i forgot <laughs> oh go ahead no no i was gonna say back to the comedy stuff have you ever walked into a mic you early on or even now and and we just talked about how important it is to do bad or do comedy in a bad room have you ever walked into mm. a room and just said like nope no, I, I'm just either the list is like 30 people and you're the 31st and they're just about starting or you walked in yeah. and you're like, yeah, nothing I'm going to do is ever going to work here. Um, The only time I'll, I'll, I'll not not put my name down on a list is if it's really long and I'm just feeling lazy and I'm like, I don't want to hang out here that long. I don't think I've ever walked into a room and been like, ah, I don't want to do this. I'm, I, I've been in that situation before where I have like actually on Wednesday, we were at a, me and Braden were at a room and I was like, ah, I don't, we'd already hit one mic. And I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. And he's like, come on, Daly. He's like, Why? and I was like, all right, you're fine. You're right. You're right. And so it always makes you better just to get on stage as much as much as possible. And I think it's good to put yourself in those situations when you're uncomfortable. But yeah, no, I mean, I've, there's never been a room where I'm like, I'm like, oh, this isn't worth it at all. You know, I think anytime you can just, if it's running new material or just getting up there and riffing, you know, just thinking of an idea you had that day and just dragging that out. And like the best part of a room like that too, if you're like, Oh, this is a terrible room and it's never going to work. Then you're like, okay, this doesn't matter. I can, I can yell into this microphone for five minutes if I want to. And these people have to listen to me, you know? So it's like, I think you can, you can try kind of change your mindset of like what the situation is too. Cause you're like, um, oh, these people aren't holding me hostage. I'm holding them hostage. You know, I, I love that. I absolutely, <laughs> no, I, I absolutely, I, I went to, and I didn't know I went to the joint, uh, f uh for some reason it's like somebody said, oh, I, plus I like to try new places. Like I want to yeah, go totally. and bomb in as many places as I possibly can. That's my goal yeah. is, and the five or six comics who went on before me, mid twenties, flaming gay guys all gay yeah. material and i honestly i'm looking around and i see a couple of pride flags i'm thinking is this is this, and, and did i go to a gay mic which yeah, uh, yeah, and, yeah. in the 90s i did that i didn't know in la i showed yeah. up at a place that like four days a week is a gay club and the two days it's not and then one day it's something else and i, I didn't know yep. and it's like okay and i made the decision it's like i i did exactly what you say and now i have one bit that i've taken from that it was horrible. I did just as well as you would have expected, just yeah. as well as you would expect. But one good bit came out of it. Um, yeah, totally. You know, I said, look, I know I'm giving off a judgy dad vibe, but I'm not your dad. I am judging you and I am disappointed. Yeah, but, and I, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, Joe, Joe knows like, or Joe and I, I was going to say Joe and I, I have a nephew cousin. He's more of a nephew because he, but cousin who's, the gayest person you'll ever meet, nicest guy. He writes on SNL. Um, his first, his first, his first foray into television was on mine and Joe's show. Oh, really? Good. You qualified him as the gayest person. No, like no, 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 no. I, 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 I say that, and I commit to it. And I, I met a couple it. of gay guys. No, like, and eh, no, like half yeah. into it. No, they weren't really no. If there's a trophy, if there's a title, when he was five, six years old, he did this really flamboyant, like I've always had crazy long hair. And he, my sister has the same hair. And every time we were babysit or go to his parents' house, you know, for he would do this hour long bit where he's a gay hairdresser. Oh my God, darling, you have to sit in your hair. I don't know what we're going to do with our. Did you hear what Janine did? And he's like, dude, he had this. 
about two months ago. And the funny thing is, he's an actor, you know, he, he's, mm -hmm. but when he's not acting, he's right. And, and we'll turn on the TV. My boys would turn on a Nickelodeon show like 10 years ago. It's like, it's, it's cousin Jimmy. We're watching the Goldbergs just randomly uh, about yeah. four weeks. He's playing a gay hairdresser. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. and, and I instantly called him. I'm like, dude, the role of a lifetime. And it was, it was a two, you know, he was on the show called, uh, he did a, it was a one-off one episode of the other two on comedy central. And and he played a character who was the leader of an uh an, an Instagram group called the Inst uh the Instaqueers. The Instaqueers, where it's like five guys who are really great looking and really cut mm -hmm. who take these photos. You know, they they go and they do yeah. a photo shoot somewhere and they blow up. Turns out like three of them aren't gay, but that's like Jimmy's character. Like every cat like he sold two shows to two gay. Anyways, uh I called I was thinking that ESPN holds like strong man competitions. <laughs> we need a gay man, the gayest man ever a competition. Uh but I did. I called him on the way home and I'm like, dude. This just went down. This just what happened. And this and th and then as I'm driving, we're like working out the rest of the bit. He's like, dude, I I'm I'm glad my people didn't scare you off. I'm like, dude, if you haven't scared me, I know. But it was uh, but it was one of those mics. I'm standing there thinking, well, it's not my place. Uh, yeah. I got but I drove an hour for fucking get here. Like, yeah. what's the worst case scenario? I get up there and these people hate me more than my wife does. I can go home yeah. and my wife can be disappointed with me or these people. Um, so let's let's get into the next thing. Like, why? Because there's no point in having a podcast, as you know. Yeah. Why? Why didn't you start a podcast? Uh, it was the, it was my first way to get into comedy because I started it when I was still doing my old job, actually. And I was like, I'm just going to fucking start a podcast because I was like, I can't I don't really have the time to stand up right now. So I might as well do this. And like my, my first few episodes, which are like my most played ones, are only like 10 minutes long or something like that, you know. And I mean, you guys, have, I guess. So my my podcast started off as a solo podcast, too. And like I've been meaning to do solo episodes, but I'm, it sucks. It's like the worst thing ever to just sit there. And I, I, I got pretty decent at rambling for an hour by myself. Like I can do it, but I think it's way more enjoyable to talk to someone, you know, versus just talking to myself for an hour. But yeah, I mean, I, I started doing it and then I have, I joke about it every week. I'm like, I have 30 listeners, you know? And like, I do, I have consistent listeners, but uh, it, it has, I haven't, I haven't tried to grow it or anything like that. It's more so like, we just enjoy just bullshitting with our friends. You know, it's like a fun thing to do, but um. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I don't think I can stop at this point because I took a month off in January just because I was busy doing stand up the whole time. And I was like, I just don't. The last thing I wanted to do on a Sunday was like sit down and set up the equipment and then edit it afterwards and stuff like that. And so I took a month off and I have like 10 of my friends that are harassing me the entire time. They're like, where the fuck is the podcast? Like release an episode, release an episode. And I'm like, I, you know, like every once in a while, like, I mean, you tell me you, I'm, I'm glad you think it's really funny, too, Jacques. Like, I appreciate it because like. Like, uh, you know, every once in a while we'll release an episode and we'll be like, well, that was trash. And people will be like, oh, it had its moments, you know, and then there will be times when we're like, OK, this is something we think is really funny. Like uh, like Nick's trans blind horse bit. That was something me, him and brain all literally came up with over a podcast because we're like, oh, this is really, really funny is the idea of someone being like, yeah, I have a horse. It's uh, blind, but also it's a trans horse, too, as well. And so Nick's <laughs> Nick's obviously brought that into uh, a whole a whole bit and it's just something that's absurd and stuff like that but yeah i mean it's it's just a fun thing to do and i guess some people find it entertaining and occasionally uh my one goal with my podcast if i could make enough money that it would actually pay for itself that would be awesome versus just paying for hosting fees that i pay for right now online you know but yeah no i mean it's fun we keep up with it and like it's a good way to just like hang out with comics you know i mean uh 
I think uh, that's one of my favorite parts of, of comedy and open mics too. Like I, uh, that's another reason I love strange brew is like the hang at strange brew is great. You know, the way that's set up, like it's a, it's a good place to network with comics too, like in between sets and stuff. And uh, like, that's, that's some of the place I've like, you know, met some of my, my best friends and I think some of the funniest comics too, is just chilling outside of open mics, you know? And so uh podcast is great for that. Cause it's like, yeah, you all, like, I mean, comics are, I mean, we're not like necessarily like normal people. There are relatively normal comics, but like everyone who's usually in comedy is like a little bit off, you know, like sometimes you meet really, really crazy people, but um, like everyone's a little bit different, but like we, <laughs> at the same time, we like, even though like, yeah, I mean, that was one of the things that shocked me about comedy is like, you know, you meet so many, like, I, I'm like, I have more friends at this point in my life who have like smoked crack than I would have ever thought, you know? Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. We're, we're, we're going to get into that in just a second, but no, yeah, I no mean, I, I mean, I, we've had, you know, on our podcast, we have, we, we've had some amazing people, like some absolute like Titans of industry in the business world, yeah. college professors, authors. I love, I, one of the things that Joe and I do, it's Joe's coming over tonight and we're just going to watch comedy stuff from, yep. from like the forties new stuff. Yep. I love all the podcasts I listen to are comedy yeah. podcasts. I love talking yeah. comedy, even though it's you're like the third or fourth comic we've had in the last couple of months. Every conversation I ask a bunch of the same questions, but the answers are so different. And I'm always mm. fascinated by people's processes. And again, the fact that I love the fact that you're realizing this is a perfect age. I'm pushing all the chips in. I'm doing a podcast. Yeah. I'm hitting as many mics as I can. I'm going to host my own show. I'm going to go to shows when I'm not on stage supporting my friends, but still being in that scene. Dude, I think it's so great. But now let's get into this. Am I the only person who goes to the open mics in the greater New England area who doesn't recreationally use drugs Every day that ends in a Y. Um, maybe. <laughs> I, I'm trying. To, no. I uh, yeah, no. I mean, you're Everyone also the know, oldest. Like, yeah, I, I mean, mean, I was, I was, uh, I was sober for a while, like actually, actually sober for about six months. And then I gave up booze for about uh, like a year and a half, year and eight months, or something like that, for a while. But, yeah, no, even, like, the guys I know who are, you know, sober from alcohol and stuff like that still smoke weed or, you know, take mushrooms or whatever. I'm trying to think of – I know uh, – actually, I, I know, like, yeah, I, I don't know anyone who uh, – I know I know a few people. Some of the older guys don't do not do drugs that often. Actually, I won't, I won't, I won't name drop anyone because I don't want to <laughs> – it's funny. I don't want to name drop anyone for blowing up their spot for not doing drugs. I don't want right. them to feel like an outcast. <laughs> you don't want to nerd shame somebody. I know. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't want to shame you for not doing drugs, Jacques. But, yeah, no, no, it's definitely – it's common too. It's funny too, because like, uh, like I think it's everyone's always like, oh yeah, I get so much inspiration from like you know doing mushrooms or whatever. And like I've I took a bunch of mushrooms like back in the fall. I haven't done them recently. I I, I have a joke about how I spent like uh like a year of my life during the pandemic doing psychedelic drugs like every single weekend, which was true. And like I'm like, oh, this was so inspiring, you know. But like I mean, I wrote that one joke out of it. And <laughs> about it, you know. Other than that, it's like yeah. This is I mean, just pa a fun thing to do. Paul's generation, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Paul's younger than us. He didn't have the, you know, he didn't grow up in the generation where Mr. T was yelling at him on TV, <laughs> not do drugs. Yeah, don't do yeah. drugs. Yeah, no, I mean, there's, uh, it's, uh, it's a very real thing too. Like there's definitely, um, I was, there's a really interesting book that like is one of the things, I went through a big psychedelics phase right after college or, or tail end of college and then right after college, like I said, during COVID, perfect time to do it. You know, I was living at my buddy's farm 
And uh, he had 90 acres in North Carolina. And so we would just take psychedelic drugs every single week and lay out in his field, which is like, I, I was like, that's as good of a quarantine gets in my opinion. But um, I was reading a book at the time too, called uh, how to change your mind, which was a New York times bestseller. I don't know if you guys have heard of it, but it was all about the second Renaissance of psychedelic drugs. And like, it's definitely becoming a more and more popular thing these days, which I think is, has, is, there's like upsides to that, but then there's also like probably going to be, you know, just rampant mental illness over the next few years of people who are having psychotic breaks and stuff like but that. Psychedelics but, can also be used in treating mental illness. Yeah, know? absolutely. Absolutely. They definitely properly. can. Exactly. And so that's, uh, that's my biggest thing is like, I think, uh, yeah, responsible use is great, but, um, uh, the, you know, anytime there's a big surge of something like that, obviously things uh, happen to be used very irresponsibly too, you know? No. I, and, and look, it, it, it and again, giving off that, judgy disappointed dad vibe i i yeah. i do i'm not judging at all it's funny because when i was in a band at one point you know there was three of us at the band at one point and both you know the guitarist and the bass player the funniest people i know the smartest people i know uh yeah. you know what you know the the guy you know my singer dan uh, i I, I do not know how many women threw themselves at him like before, you know, his the love of his life came around. But they were yeah. always, always and we would get into fist fights because it's like they didn't have gas money to get to a gig, but yet always had drugs. Like like yeah. unbelievable. <laughs> and my friend John, the only drugs he would take were the ones he could get his hands on. And yeah. like I said, now he's an executive at Apple. It, it all worked and, and yeah. still, I mean he, recreationally he still does things. But no, yeah. what I noticed the first time I, I, I went out, I won't get a I very I try to stay out of Worcester now just because uh, it's just too toxic. You know, I, I found yeah. like, the, the comedy. The thing is, I, I went to the Middle East the other day, which, by the way, you know, thanks for fucking that up for me, because I, 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 I get there and I think I get there early enough. I'm like 20th on the 25th on the list. Yeah. I'm like, but there's a lot of people I know. And then I do my thing and I won't be a dirtbag and leave. Yeah. You know what I mean? So there's only like yeah. th two or three comics left. And then you walk in. <laughs> yeah, I'm I know. Like, Your brain came in really oh, late. Oh, yeah. come on. It's like, okay, I'm going to walk out on the guys who, A, I know, oh. which I wouldn't do. Yeah. And B, guys who generally make me laugh. I'm like, okay, so I get home another 20 minutes late. That's like, no fucking big deal. And I, and I do not mind. Like, you know, like Danny P, if there's a fucking trophy for the most shitty comics somebody sits through, because that strange yeah. brew, he goes up middle, but he's there for the first yeah. guy. He's there yeah. for the last guy. He's always yeah. the best audience, and he's yep. fucking funny. And the other day, there's oh, a, yeah. there a few people there like who were right in front. They got there like two yeah. comics before him, and they got up to leave, and I stand up. I'm in the back room. I'm like, no, you guys got to sit down. This guy's really funny. And Danny goes, now they've been talking the whole time. They can fuck right off. <laughs> and the way he said it, absolutely, Paul, absolutely killed me. Like, like you know, if he, if he, if he did nothing but talk about diary for the next five minutes, I would have uh, said that's the greatest set of comedy yeah. I've ever uh, seen. Yeah. I love that yeah, guy. No, no, you walk in, I'm like, oh, I'm not going anywhere now. But you, you, you made it. You made it worth the while. No. Uh, I want to circle back. When did you meet Nick, and and how have you guys become a a, a, a partnership? Me and me and Nick met at the Middle East. Uh, we <laughs> we we met at the Middle East, and Nick was like, "Yeah, I'm having to move out of my place in September." Actually, the first time me and Nick hung out was we recorded a podcast together. 
and it's on my YouTube. It's nothing special. It was one of the few video episodes. I think we've done like two video episodes. We did one with praise. This was a special Christmas episode. And then me and Nick did one uh, recorded in a dim sum restaurant in Chinatown in uh, in Boston. We just went in there and I set up a bunch of equipment on the table and we we're like, we didn't get permission. I was like, let's just go for it. And if they kick us out, you know, we'll see. So we're like both kind of tense the whole time. But um, yeah, no, Nick and I were just hanging out at open mics and I liked his comedy. I was like, this kid's really funny. He seemed like a nice guy. And then uh, I started hanging out with him. And I'm like, okay, this guy's actually a dick, but no. <laughs> well, no, but, it's, uh, it's great. It's great. I, I would have thought you guys went to college together. Like no, your, yeah, your rapport. Just, yeah. Like I said, we, we were hanging out and I was talking to him and he's like, yeah, I'm moving out of my place. He's like, I'm looking for a new place. And I'm like, I'm homeless right now, dude. I need a place to live. And he's like, I'll let you know if we can find a four bedroom or something like that. And so I just was hitting him up every day. And so we ended up living together. And then, uh, you know, at that time, I mean, when we're together, we're both doing comedy all the time. And it's good because we both keep each other motivated, you know. And so, uh, you know, we've bounced ideas off of each other. And it's it's so much easier to do things when you have a partner in comedy, too. Like, there's a lot of value to having either a partner or a group. Because, uh, like, trying to to run a show or produce things, like, completely on your own or a pain in the ass, you know. Like, I'll do, like, Nick's really, really good at, like, uh like con like getting getting materials and stuff made and like setting up like all the the like logistics and stuff and i'm just good at talking to people you know and so like i'll do a lot of that stuff and he he does a lot of the background stuff and it's nice to have a partner and so yeah nick's been great and we're kind of just like uh we get along well enough that we're like we don't want to kill each other yet you know and so um, uh, i think that's I, th I think that's all you need in a partner too is uh is someone that you can uh you can stand you know like i don't think it should be someone who's your best friend i've been in situations where like i have a one of my best friends that I lived with, I uh, I lived with him for about a year, or no, only three months. And we were like two of the best friends ever. And then we were living together and working together. And then uh, we we nearly ended up killing each other and then broke up for about a year and then became friends again. But yeah, no, I mean, that's one of the things if you can if you can tolerate a person, um, it's it's perfect. And so me and Nick, uh, it's been a, it's been a good situation for both of us, too. And I have considered Nick to be a, a good friend now, too. But we have uh, everyone always says too they're like when they listen to us do the podcast, like we have like an interesting dynamic between the two of us. And like we do have uh, I, I, I don't know else, else, how else to put that. But, yeah, we have an interesting dynamic between the two of us. I think we we work well off of each other. You know, sometimes I'm a lot and Nick will pull back and then it can be vice versa and stuff like that, too. But he's good, dude. How many people think you're a couple? Um, I don't know. I I think uh I I I think I'm probably the wife in that situation too. I'm the wife who's gonna get murdered if anything. Yeah, yeah. I me and Nick have joked about that on the podcast too. I was like, who's gonna kill who first? And Nick's like, I'm gonna kill you. And I'm like, well, obviously, I was like, I could, I I I have like the reach advantage and stuff here. And he's like, yeah, but you don't have the heart to actually kill me. I'm like, that's right. And he's like, yeah, I would 100% kill you. No thought, no questions asked. And I was like, yeah, I could see that. I was like, Nick's a little more heartless than me. But yeah, I mean, it's funny. We, I mean, we're just always together. And like, like the other day, people were asking us about our vacation to Nantucket because we were on the ferry and Nick just posted a bunch of video or a bunch of pictures about me. And uh, the only reason we went over to Nantucket the other day is because I, I, you know, I'm always doing favors for Nick. Nick doesn't have a car. And so like, Nick's like, I need one, we're trying to go visit Denver in a month. And then two, he needed a new a license for his job. And the earliest he could get an appointment at the RMV in Massachusetts was either in North Adams uh, or like, says capital of North America. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Or uh, or um, uh, Nantucket or Martha's Vineyard. And he's like, so you need to take me over there. And I was like, dude, I was like, how far is North Adams? And he's like, three hours. And I'm like, fuck, dude. I was like, let's just go to let's go to Nantucket instead and just take the ferry over there and make a day out of it. And so 
we literally went to the RMV and Nan or we Nantucket just go to the RMV and it was a nightmare as as things are at the RMV. I was hoping it would be chill over in Nantucket. It was it was still a bitch. Nick didn't get a license. He got a, a regular ID, so he can't drive right now. And sort of like whatever. Fuck it. At this point, we'll probably just wait until he gets out to Denver and then just get a driver's license out there. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just like one of those things. So yeah, that's uh. That's what me and Nick's life's like, though. You know, we just do shit together all the time. And it's like, yeah, I'll get a Nantucket with the, for the day with you. Did you did you do a mic while you were out there? No, I don't think there's shit out there. I w- someone had posted in the Boston Comedians group, um, Brian Glowacki, I think. I I don't know if I've ever met him. He's a he's a pretty well known comic. I think mean, he's very established. But I I guess he's maybe from out there. And he he like responded to our post and was like, if you guys need anything while you're out there, let us know. And I was like, yeah, he's like, just a place to find lunch and ketamine would be awesome. And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> so with the drug thing again, it's like I first time I, I was like at the safe first or second time I started looking around and I, it's like, you know, I, I, I think I'm a good audience. I want to laugh. I, I, I don't yeah. really want to talk to people because if I'm going to be there, yeah. I want to hear the funny. Uh, but Absolutely. I'm looking around and I'm thinking, I think at least a third of the people here are either here to be buy drugs or to sell drugs <laughs> like they'll go up and yeah. they'll do their five minutes but but and the yeah. whole five minutes is about buying or selling drugs yeah yeah and then i've gone to some other places and and, and worcester doesn't have that vibe it, you know uh they have the very much the proud boys oath keeper kind of you know kind of coolness going on uh which yeah. i'm completely down with or yeah. uh but but yeah, but then I've gone to some mics and I'm like, yeah, I think that guy is not funny, but I think people like him because he is a dealer or he is yeah. the, yeah, the Adderall guy. Yeah, no. You know, yeah. you, you know, you know. Well, we now know that Jock's the narc. Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah, no, 100%. Exactly. yeah, no, I'll remember not to say anything to you anymore. Oh, Jock, no, man. it's well, it's funny because, um, and you know, now that my kid wants to do it, it's like I don't shield him from any of it. But we, when we went to see his cousin about a month ago in New York, and that's what ended up happening. It's like it was a snowstorm, so we were there, and I was like, like, hey, I'm gonna hit a mic on the way out of town, and he went in to sign up with me, and then I was gonna dump him at like a restaurant, and then go back for like a, a, an hour. And then, you know, the guy's like, oh, you both comics? I'm like, yeah, sign up. Because you've met him. And so he yep. had never done it. But there was like 12, 15 comics. And at least two-thirds of them, whole thing was about doing drugs or, or you know, stupid women are stupid because he won't blow me. It's like yeah, <laughs> those sets, which are always great. Yeah. You know, oh, it's, yeah, it's killer. Yeah, oh, it's oh, oh, oh. And then the whole ride home we're talking about, I was like, yeah, you know, it's like, and the funny thing is like, he wasn't going to go and the host kept saying, are you going to get up? And he, I'm like, dude, just go up. He's like, what am I going to talk yeah. about? I'm like, go shit on your brother. And, yeah. and he got bit by the bug because his first thing was, Anyone have siblings? Yeah, they suck, right? And got a, got a huge laugh. And he's like, yep. and, and then the next mic he did was yours and Nick's, and yep. he just loved it. It was it was it was great. And I love the fact that you divided up like, and I told him that it's like, yeah, we'll stay for all the people after us the first half of your set, you know, where it's like PG 13, you know, cause it's a family thing. And then, then you can talk about like uh, the pedophilia, you know, cattlecade after that. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, yeah, pedophilia and drugs. Yeah. uh, But seriously, I was, I, and I still, I still think that at least a third of the people are in this. Now there's another epidemic and I would like your feedback. I don't know if epidemic is the right word. Mm -hmm. There is 
an enormous percentage of people who are doing open mics with you and in this area who are failed 30-something white rappers. Have you noticed that 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 pipeline from I was rapping, it wasn't working out, so I segue to this. Yeah, I haven't noticed that so much in stand up, but I have like I know like uh I know one younger comic who was like a rapper and then he started doing stand up too. I haven't seen him in a while, but there's like a surprising I I didn't even I mean that was like I'm I'm into hip hop, but like I like uh I'm really into like a lot of like 90s hip hop. Like I I listened to like a lot of a tribe called Quest in high school and stuff like that. I was like very into that kind of stuff and so like I didn't stay up to date on a lot of the newer stuff. Like my friends will cue me in every once in a while, but like I didn't realize there was much of an amateur hip hop scene at all. Like I knew there was like, you know, people posting stuff on SoundCloud and whatnot, but I was like, that surprised me. And so there's like a ton of like, even in like Lowell too, there's like, a, like oh, the same huge. way there's open mics, there's like open mics for like amateur hip hop and rap and stuff like that too. But yeah, no, you're definitely right. I mean, there's some sort of overlap between this two. And like, honestly, I feel like the arts aren't that like stand up and like rap aren't that different, you know, cause it's like, you're just writing verses basically. And like, sometimes they happen to be funny too you know and so it's like one of those things it's i don't know maybe i i might quit comedy and white guys rap. instead you know? <laughs> exactly yeah, exactly it's the funniest thing yeah and so yeah i might i might become a full-time rapper we'll see that might be my next uh, iteration <laughs> of myself no actually I, I, when i shave the mustache that's when i'll become a rapper yeah. <laughs> well right because if you hit again you really got to put some thought into this if 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 you know when you get the netflix special if you Your go up be there the notorious box Never mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. No, that's great. Yeah. But I do when, when I, you know, because I've talked to a couple people, you know, and I, I think Dana was a rapper. I think Mike mm. Dupont was a rapper. But I went yeah. in when I did the, that one open mic at Concept Six. It was in everything. It was a catch all. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's mixed mic. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's a lot of a lot of local rappers there. Yeah. And I was like, oh, and look, I mean, I'm old. I listen, I, you know, I, I listen to Sex Pistols every day. But I will say that my kid about three years ago uh, got into a guy named NF who's fucking mm. awesome. He's really, yeah. really good. But, yeah, I'm thinking there's not a there's not a lot of I, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know what 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 the next step is for for the right rappers. What is the next step for you? What is a goal going out to Denver? Is it a better scene? Is it I mean. What what does that offer for the next rung up? I think I think that's what we're hoping for is it to be a better scene. I mean, I think like everyone bitches about, you know, not getting enough stage time and whatever and those kind of things. But I think that's it's the case everywhere. That's the reality of comedy. You know, you're always going to be competing with people and competing for stage time and stuff. The only reason we're really going is I'm just uh, I think a lot of us are just kind of antsy and want to see something new. And we're young, you know, and so it's like now's the time to do it, if anything, you know, and so. Denver's like people always say Denver's so expensive too, but it's actually cheaper than it is in Boston as well too. And so we're like, yeah, let's go somewhere where we can save money. Still a good city, still a lot of comedy to do and stuff like that too. But yeah, that's uh, I mean, I think we just want to check it out. And it sounds there's a lot of good comics that are like you know coming out of there that are making it and stuff too. And there's I think they have like five big clubs, so there's just a lot of opportunity to see big headliners and stuff too. You know, the same way there is in Boston. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, just seeing something new, trying something new, and uh, getting exposed to something new. I'm not. I'll be honest. I'm not a huge fan of Boston. Um, like I, I literally the only reason I stayed up here was comedy. Like if I wasn't doing comedy, I probably would have left. But um, because the comedy scene around here, I think is great. But um. Yeah, I mean, as far as cities go, I think it's such a mediocre city. Like, I think it's so overpriced. I prefer Philly to Boston because I feel like there's more culture in Philly, you know? Like, I feel like Boston, this whole idea of, like, the the Boston stereotype just doesn't actually exist anymore. I think it's a very whitewashed, like, techie city now, you know? Um, 
in Boston. Because like I mean, you go ten feet out of Boston, you hit exactly. Yeah, no, yeah, and that's why I always say too. Probably I was Medford. like, if you want to meet someone who's like actually Boston, yeah, go to yeah, go to Medford or uh, even Medford's pretty gentrified these days too. Like it's mainly college kids and stuff because we live like really close to there. True, but um, yeah, I say go to Lowell. You know, I was like, yeah, that's that's real. Lowell is where you find like the real you know traditional Boston people. Like all the people, all my friends with like Boston accents and stuff like that. A lot of them are from Lowell and stuff. You no, know, well, but, yeah. yeah. So Joe and Joe Joe grew up here. I left in '95, and mm-hmm. uh, my, my wife has a crazy job. Took us to the Middle East for a few years, 2014. Oh, wow. through, yeah, through 2014 to 16, we kind of lived in the country cutter, but we yeah. were we were in Europe for like two or three months. We'd be here. She was a mm-hmm. nanny for the royal, uh, a member of the royal family, and then her mom got sick, which forced us back here. Being back here for me. As an yeah. as, as a nightmare. I grew up here. My you know yeah. my mom's here. My sister's here. Joe's here. Like, you know, I I love so many things here, but this is absolutely yeah. painful. And I took a job in February of 2020. I had six military tours, one a month starting in March 2020. That, mm-hmm. I, but I took a job in February of February 1st of 2020. That when I got back from the last tour in August, I was going back to LA. Like we we got all the kids' school stuff, you know, all lined up. We came here to take care of her mom. We looked into you know the company that would rent out our house for us because we were, you know got a great deal, um, and, and then. Uh, COVID hit, you know what I mean? And now we're kind of yeah, stuck yeah. here because now it's three years later. Now our yep. oldest kid is about to go into high school. But I go out, we go out to LA two or three times a year. Like, mm-hmm. I, I get it. I get, you know, everything that you don't like about it, Joe and I don't like. And speak for uh, yourself. I like the, <laughs> wait a second. <laughs> but we, what, you know, uh, there's another co- podcast that I really like. It's called Complaints and Observation. And a mutual friend of mine and Joe's who's on our podcast, this great musician mm-hmm. and actor uh, named Gene Dante, he was on that show uh, a few episodes ago. And what he said was exactly what you're talking about. He loved Boston. Like Boston – and my wife – loves what Boston was when she left here and you know yeah. when she came out to LA you know you know with me but it's become so gentrified that yeah. neighborhood by neighborhood like like I went to you know see Joe uh you know a couple of weeks ago and one half of the street in Somerville was the old Somerville neighborhood, like Portuguese signs, little yep. barber shop. But on the other side of the street was that a year ago that is now the midst of another glass sky rise that is going to have a price point at a million dollars for one bedroom, you know? And yeah, it's, it's yeah. and so when we had to buy a house and move back here, we came to Lowell because my yep. wife's, my wife is a little bit like Nick crazy. Um, and and also half Korean, like you know, she liked my yeah, Hyundai yeah, Santa Fe. Yeah, yeah. Like dad met was working in Korea, met mom, and uh, and she mom got mom left Seoul, Korea for the first time, eight and a half months pregnant with her, and so yeah. so. And then we lived in L.A. where all my, you know, the guy who co-hosts the podcast with Joe and I, you know, is a Japanese national. I played on a team with uh, – it was really a melting pot. And the neighborhood with my boys grew up in, um, you know, Monday through Friday, there's a li- we lived at the beach. There was a little park there. All, all, all Hispanic kids, you know. Yep. And on the weekend, th- that whole that whole park, all black. Just like yep. the, the cookouts and the music. And it was – so fucking awesome everything about yeah. it then we go and live in another country where everybody you know everybody who works for my wife was either indian or filipino we lived on an expat yeah. compa so when we came back here we're like no 
I can't live where everybody looks like me. I just yeah. can't do it. And, and we love Lowell. It's like my son's favorite restaurant is this Colombian food truck, you know, and it's like yeah. there's yeah. mochi donut places everywhere. And it is. This is, is you know. Yeah. But, yeah, like you said, like Medford. And Somerville still has its neighborhoods, but in about three years, you know, it will all be. Uh, yeah, it'll be. Yeah. Fucks like me and you. you know, with yeah. More, <laughs> yeah, exactly. With, yeah, no. With more money. So, yeah, Denver. Poor. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, no. I, I was gonna say, um, no. It's funny. I grew up in a, a similar situation in South Carolina too. I, I've been trying to write a joke about this for forever too, and I just can't get it to work because I don't think people understand like the reference. But like, yeah, I mean, I people always assume the South is like you know an incredibly racist p- place, and like they're definitely it it exists. Like it still exists, which I think it does everywhere. But like, uh, I grew up the same way. You know, I grew up playing with uh, like playing sports and stuff with all different kinds of kids too. And so when I moved up to Boston, I think that was like the biggest culture shock for me is like, it's not that people are like inherently racist here, but there's not a lot of like mixing among different cultures or races or something like that in the city. You know, like it's just, uh, you know, you go from South Carolina, which is like, it's not really, it's like the North of the South. Like you go, the further yeah. South you go, the more racist you get kind of like, up yeah, here, the further... yeah. Alabama and Georgia are definitely oh. a little rougher too. The Carolinas are pretty nice though. And there's a lot of diversity and like the, the schools I went to and everything too. Like, the middle school I went to actually like there was there was less white people than than black people at my middle school too. I was like like we were probably only made up like twenty or thirty percent of like the population or something like that. And so I like, have a theory that I was, the further north or further south you go, the more racist you are. You know, yeah, I tried to write I tried <laughs> I tried to write a joke about this too, about comparing the cities of Charleston, South Carolina and uh and Boston and how I'm like talking to a guy and I'm like, yeah, I'm like, so I was like, you know, Charleston and Boston, I was like very similar cities, you know, like both historic port towns, you know, like uh, the culture there and stuff. And I was like, you know, the only big difference is like Charleston's a lot cheaper. I was like, the weather's also much nicer there. I was like, I guess there's a lot more black people in Charleston too, though. I was like, so why'd you decide to live in Boston? You know, like what made you, what made that your choice? And like, I haven't figured out a way to make that joke work yet, but I think it's really funny. I think it's a really funny idea to like, well, I people. That, I also. Oh, go I ahead. was going to say there's a lot more black people in Charleston, probably because they brought them there first. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's kind of like <laughs> there the, you go, the starting yeah. point. You there know? you go. Yeah. No, no. for sure. For well, sure. And it's funny though. Like, like we have more pilgrims up here. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but where? But where we are right now? I mean, it is funny because. You know, it, well, one of the things we like about it, like, I'm glad that you went to a, a middle school like that. I just dropped, picked up my son's friend because a lot of my son's friends don't have cars. You know, it's generational yep. living where it's a small apartment where it's grandma, mom. And yep. because the, I, I, well, I'm guessing all the smartphones, I communicate with the other parents through the translation thing because, you know, the kid who I just took to soccer with my kid is the only mm-hmm. English speaker in the house. And we, we see that as a plus. We we, yeah, we, yeah, totally. we see that as, you know, and it's funny because it's like, you know, one, one, one of these Brazilian kids came over and his mom has to bring his food because yeah. we don't spice food enough. <laughs> like we don't even, <laughs> you know, and it's, it, it's like, like my son loves like black bean burritos and yeah. his, my, my wife's like, you know, Squish, they're not the same, you know? And oh, it, yeah, yeah. It's just not. We can try. You know, we can yeah. try. But, no, I love that about it. But it is funny because, you know, having driven around the country, like, my, again, my old guitarist lives in Rowley, absolutely loves it, mm-hmm. is in a great band. Um, and some of my favorite bands, again, Super Chunk, Archer's Loaf, you know, came out of that. But you're right. There's other parts of the South. I shot a movie in Jackson, Mississippi, 2016. Yeah. Whoa. 
Like at yeah. the time, at the time, and the corner of the flag, the state flag, and I just thought it was some racist fuck. What yeah. was the uh, was the uh, you know the stars and bars? And I yeah. thought it was, and 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 then somebody's like, no, no, that's a state flag, and I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm so, I'm sorry. What? And and, yep. and and they had just like voted, and and the the like come January first, it wasn't going to be on anymore. Yep. I, I spent six weeks there, um, and and I I try. I, I went in with an open mind. I I went in yeah. with an open mind. I left with a very closed. I will never fucking go like anywhere. I don't even like when I count, like, you know, I don't say one Mississippi. I've trained myself to be one Gotham City, two Gotham City. I don't even yeah. like to fucking give them the credit for that. But that said, that said, yeah, we're pretty racist fucks here, but go 20 minutes north. I mean, seriously, New Hampshire? And, and that's a yep. stupid joke that oh, works. Yeah. You know, when I'm like, does anybody believe in time travel? No, it's like, have you yep. been to New Hampshire? It's fucking... Yep. You just go and and like any city, but you go ten minutes north of Manchester, and it's like it's banjo playing country. Yeah. It's like, boy, you got yeah, a pretty no, totally. mouth. Um, yep. <laughs> so yep. so, Paul, what's next? Like, do you have a six month, one year, two year plan? No, I uh, I have nothing. I I've always said, um, I mean, like I said, we're we're gonna be in Denver in six months, hopefully, but um. My uh, uh, my only plan is like if I could get to the point like I'm not trying to get famous or anything like it would be awesome if that happened. But if I could get to the point where I could pay my bills doing comedy, I think that would be amazing, you know, because that's all I really want to do is be able to survive, you know, and I think that's what my parents want too, you know, is for me to, you know, <laughs> actually be able to live. But yeah, I mean, that's that's my my loose plan. I think that's kind of my the best way to go about it, too. You know, it's like have a loose idea of what you want. And then just fill in everything else along the way, you know, it's like because anytime you have a strict plan, like it's just going to fall apart immediately. You know, that's what that's what I learned from my, my experience with college. You know, I was like, I was like, I have my whole life planned out here. I was like, this is what I'm going to do. And then I start doing that. And I'm like, this sucks. You know, this isn't what I want to do. <laughs> are, are, what so what think, do mom and dad think of the whole thing? Do, are, my mom, think, my mom is my mom is very supportive. Uh, my, my dad thinks I'm an idiot. Uh, my dad, my dad's a supportive dude too. But like, my dad's like, when are you? So when are you gonna get a real job again? Like, when's that <laughs> happening? You know? And I'm like, I don't know. We'll see. And I've been talking to him too. I'm trying to think of what I want to do because for a while I was thinking about just picking up like a you know dispensary job or something like that in Denver. And I've been doing the sales thing right now too. And I was talking to another comic and he's like, dude, he's like, just pick up some sort of tech sales job. He's like, you can make so much money doing that. And I'm right now I'm just doing cold calling stuff. And so like, it's like the the hardest part of sales there is too. And like, it's not that I'm, I'm pretty decent at sales. And so I'm like debating trying to like pick up something like that too. It would be nice to have a job where I actually made money again and I'm not starving month to month like I am right now. But, um, uh, so yeah, I mean, my dad's, like my dad's cool. I was going to say, does he send you like little clippings every now and then like, you know, the Amazon's opening a new box factory. Yes, <laughs> that is that is literally exactly what my dad does. Now, it's funny. I've, I've been meaning to write a joke about this, too, because like me and my dad never really talk on the phone, but he emails me all the time. Like he just my dad just sends me emails. So we trade emails back and forth all the time. But yeah, my dad, uh, he's he's been supportive, too. I think at first, like because I had I had such a good job out of college and you know, I had really good benefits and like, you know, 
health insurance and all this stuff. And then I told my parents, I was like, I don't want to do this. My dad was like, what the fuck? You know, he's like, what do you do? Why? Yeah. Why did we, why did we help you with all this? My son and, came like, out as like a comic. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Exactly. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. My dad. Yeah. My dad literally been like, I wish you had said, I said you were gay. Yeah. And no, yeah, it's, yeah. you know, trans is in now. I mean, you want to yeah, be that. Exactly. Don't yeah, be a exactly. comic for God. Yeah, so cut off your dick I if you want. No Just don't son. be a comedian. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah, uh, well, let me give you the heads up, Paul, when that's going to stop. Um, looking at my notes, uh, never, never, yeah, exactly, exactly, <laughs> never. Yeah. Uh, my mom. Yeah. Well, the only time my mom stopped asking me when I'm going to cut my hair is mm. when my kids were born, and then she started asking them when they're going to cut their hair. Like my, you cannot pay my sons to cut their hair, and I mean, she has tried, and the and the copious sums of money and, and gifts that she has laid out you know at their feet and they just they just won't do it and it's the same thing it's like i had a big company um you know that i got rid of in like 2004 because a couple opportunities came up things that i had never done before um mm -hmm. I, you know, it was the hardest year of my life. I managed Bailey Ray Cyrus. Do not ask about it, but it's true. Yeah. And uh, no, there's all these videos on YouTube, and I did. Anyway, hey, ask about it, man. Just move I will, on. You, you know what, Joe? If you weren't so pretty, yeah. I would punch dude, that pretty. Dude, mouth. I gotta wrap this one up because I'm, okay. I gotta be. I gotta be at your house in an hour. <laughs> Yeah, uh, no, because this, this, look again. I wasn't judging people drinking because I was drank for absolutely ever. I, I don't yeah. look down on the drug thing, but when my wife goes out of town, the highlight is Joe comes over and we just watch the stupidest stuff for like twelve hours. No, but but with your family, it's just gonna it's just gonna be the way it is, dude. I love that you have a plan and don't have a plan simultaneously, and I like yeah. how you're realistic about it because we did. You know, people people don't understand. There there is there's the Jim Gaffigans of the world and the Pat Oswalds. There's the yeah. open mics, but then there is that middle ground where yeah. you can have a decent living making people laugh there's a whole circuit like we had a guy named uh, jim colton on a few weeks ago i don't know if you've ever crossed paths with him he's my age actually went to the mm -hmm. same college at the same time but i didn't know him uh if you follow him on instagram he does book shows around new england but his yeah. thing is he gets on a cruise ship once a month for oh, yeah, totally. five yeah. or six days and yeah. he's put two kids through college you know, doing that. Yeah. If there's a fundraiser yeah. at the Knights of Columbus by like this Rotary Club, he's one of the guys, you know, he's that yeah. he's he's that. And there is a comfortable living everywhere you go for yeah. that kind of uh, what do you call it, Joe? A working comic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and if you aspire to be fat and something stupid happens, like you just have one set that catches the right person at the right time. Yeah. And you get uh, what about other things about writing and producing and and acting? Are, are those on the agenda? Are those in the wheelhouse? Uh, those are all things that I'd I'd never say no to. Like, I think uh, I think I would love to I, I would love to, like, you know, write for a show or something like that, too. Like, I enjoy uh, me and my friends have been trying to get into more sketch stuff, too. I think that's one of the other reasons we're we're pumped about moving out to Denver. I don't know if I got into details too much, but we're going out there. We're visiting with like seven dudes. And we're going to try and all get a house together. So it'll be seven comedians. We'll have our own content house. It'll be a TikTok house for people on antidepressants, you know. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, and so, I mean, just stuff like that where it's like, yeah, we could start making our own sketches and stuff like that, too. I mean, that definitely, it definitely interests me. But um, uh, like at, at the end of the day, like stand up is what I love doing. Like, I think there's 
there's nothing better than getting on stage and in front of a room full of people and just making, being able to make them laugh. You know, like I love, I love all kinds of creative aspects and like, I definitely do acting or anything too, but stand up is what I, I would do everything else just so I could do stand up, you know? No, I, I and I, and it's really, really funny because that's, that's one of the things, you know, uh, people don't get that, that, you, you can only do stand up because you really love it. You will not get good if you're trying to be famous. Or you, you only way yeah. you can the only way you can get through the slog of piece of shit open mics like at Winter Hill. Oh wait, nope, sorry. <laughs> and, uh, no, it, it is if you really like it, like because it is. It's it's the the going through shit to the five minutes on stage ratio. It makes no fucking. And then Joe burst my bubble about a month ago when he told me. All the driving back and forth to the open mics oh, does, yeah. not, does not count towards the ten thousand hours of, of yeah, getting no, good at it. You know that that because I think you would have hit that the first year coming out of Devon's. Um, oh yeah, you know, you know, Paul, we will let you go on because wait, wait, first you know this won't air. This will air a week Ever. from this Monday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, don't put it out there. Yeah. I just want to get your, uh, yeah, no, I'm looking at the bar, uh, the broadcast standards for podcasts, and we did not qualify this uh, episode. Oh, yeah. We came close. Okay, we were two fart jokes away. Ah, um, uh, nice. But uh, but uh, and over the next month, where can people see you at book shows? I don't know what I have. Let me see. I am I'm so bad about plugging my stuff. Um, do you have an? Uh, I will. Okay, yeah. Media? Actually, I do need a. I've got a show. Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at Paul Boric, and then uh, I'm producing another show at uh, uh, the Riverwalk Cafe in uh, Nashville, New Hampshire, this month. I I need to start promoting that now. And so, twenty uh, second of April, it's gonna be a great show. We've got a really good lineup of comedians. I'll be on that one as well. And uh, I think it'll be fifteen bucks online, twenty dollars at the door. But uh, we've sold out the past or, or the pa the first show we sold out, and then we sold about uh half the tickets last time. And so it's a great room though. And so that's the one date I'll plug. I do have other stuff coming up too, but just follow me on Instagram for that stuff. So. And so we will post that. Listen to the Karma and Comedy podcast, which is is one of those yeah, ones that I listen to on a regular basis. I mean, I like it. Uh, I'm Thank so you. bummed I can't come to because I live like I live on the Nashua line. Like if you know anything about yeah. Lowell, it's very unusual that we have uh, three acres and an in-ground pool and we live in Lowell, but we live right on the yeah. Nashua line. Uh, but I have to go to and I'm going to do a bit about this sometime. Uh, we have to go to a wedding. Oh, my wife oh, and I, yeah. not, not Joe. Uh, or a dog. Oh, Paul. Oh, it sucks. It's an it's an incredibly incredibly like we've had the guy on our podcast. Like my wife yeah. nannied for this kid, and when he in '96 when he was one. Uh, yeah. The the rehearsal dinner is the night before at Fenway Park on the 21st, mm -hmm. and then there the the wedding itself is at Copley Plaza. You know, in Boston on a Saturday night. If you know anything about wow. that, it's like, yeah, like you could buy a small country for what this wedding costs, which fine. Yeah, they got the money. Great. Yep. But it's going to cost me two grand just to go to the wedding because because of the because oh it's black tie. And you know what I mean? And, it, and that's not I'm not talking a gift. And it's like and then because yeah. somebody asked me, there's a rap battle that night or, or a. um. Uh, a comedy like you know battle uh, that same yeah, night. Yeah. Oh, roast battle! Yeah, roast, yeah, roast battle. Thank you. You have your show, and I'm like, yeah. I want to be absolutely anywhere else, <laughs> but here. So it's not that I'm not supportive, but I would be there. I will come see you do book shows because, like I said, you and Nick are worth the price of admission. You're worth the drive. I mean, you guys are yep. always funny. Like I said, you walk that line where I can't tell if if 
because you commit, which is so that's why I asked about the acting thing, because you commit yeah. to a bit and you don't break. You have this kind of deadpan, say something hysterical and then. No, no, I'm serious. Does anybody have heroin? Yeah. <laughs> and, and it gets uncomfortable, but then you make it funny again, but then it gets uncomfortable. Um, mm-hmm. Your stolen valor thing is one of my favorite bits. I, 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 yeah, I haven't I've done heard. that joke recently. I do really like that joke. And that's one of those ones, too, where I was like, I don't know if veterans are going to like this, but it's a funny bit. And I think like that's one of those ones where I was like, oh, this is going to offend everyone. But I think it usually goes pretty well. But no, you yeah, fought for your right to say that joke. So you right. Exactly. Exactly. When you fictitiously fought in the military, you fought for your <laughs> yeah, own right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, to, right. to do that. So so we will let you go. Uh, this was completely awesome. Uh, Joe, you got any you got any thoughts there, Joe, besides suicide? Uh, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> What's happening here? <laughs> oh, I, I was thinking myself out loud, sir. Right. <laughs> uh, if you're going to design a box, design like a <laughs> casket to throw Jacques into because I'm going to murder I, him. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll make a, a very short and wide casket for Jacques. <laughs> very wide. <laughs> Super <laughs> wide. Do they make double wides in, in caskets? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can get an XL, yeah. Nice. Oh. All right, Paul. Uh, thank you very much, man. And now. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Thank you. And now that it's over, what I like to do when I have guests on, Paul, can you send me like a third, two 30 second clips? Because I like to come into the show and go out of the show with something, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you know, you, your, your B list stuff. We don't want to waste your A list stuff. Oh, you know, like stand up stuff? Yeah, yeah. If you could send like, like a yeah, bit, you know, that. that would be. We have praise on, dude. He said something at, at, at a tiny open mic that's at a, a cable access studio that's just. Yeah, yeah, what? yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my fucking god! It killed me. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. A couple of weeks, and then I saw him like two weeks later. I'm like, dude, I'm still laughing, you know, over that, 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 that. And he, and one of the things he says in his bit, you know, because uh, you mentioned that you had him on too. It's like, like Lawrence is the shittiest place he's ever been, and I'm like, yeah. he comes from Tampa. What does that yeah. say? If you're from fucking Tampa, Florida, and you say this is awful. Uh, so where are you going tonight? What's what's the big what's the big Paul and Nick Saturday night? Where are you guys doing mics? Uh, I think I'm actually, I might, I'm, I may be going to a show actually. I think Prey said he had a show in Roxbury and so I, uh, I might be doing that. I'm also, there's one of my buddies who's not a comedian who I haven't seen in like over a month too. And so I'm like, I need to hit him up as well too, but we might end up going to that show in Roxbury too. It's run by Scott Fatone. So, uh, I can't remember the exact venue, but I think we might be doing that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I saw a lot of people that I know, like, like every time I post something, it's the same 30 people who like it, which yeah. one of them. One of those is my aunt, but I keep seeing the same thing. Katie's doing that show tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's stuff right, like yeah. that. And she's great. She she is. Uh, oh, and yeah, I, I love Katie. She's awesome. You know, and I did. I felt I was so happy for her and so bummed. And I and I saw it at the Middle East. I'm like, if you want me to help you get a place like w- that, you can hear your comics because if you can get sixty people to a room, I can get you. You know, a, a couple different places if you want. Um, yeah. Because she did. She had a great lineup. It was all female comics. Uh, you just yep. couldn't hear anything at, at um, uh, Concept 6 or whatever it was. Yep. Man, have have a great Saturday night. I'll, I'll, I'll run into you in the next couple of weeks. Again, you and Nick were just so great when my kid, you know, did his mic. He, he's, he's one uh, of those. Yeah, no, thanks for coming. Yeah, no, it's, I, I've gone a couple of times. I didn't know it was yours when I went. I was just like trying yeah. to. You know, trying to find, oh, if I hit this one, then I can go to the joint, which is awful for me. It's the worst place for yep. me to go. But I'm I'm trying to find the worst places to go and just be, like you're saying, just feel comfortable there. Uh, Absolutely. 
you were really smart. I I I really glad because I, your 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 comedy is really funny. Uh, the way you conduct yourself is great, and uh, and yeah. And, 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 you know, if you're friends with Dana, like I, I, like I did, I'm dude, I'm older than his dad. I bet. You know what I mean? And as I'm driving home, if he comes at you again, I'll let you kick his ass. Don't you? No, 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 dude. What, what, like, and, and what a fuck you situation he's in. What, 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 what are the two things that happen? He gets the shit kicked out of him by somebody older than his dad. I know, I know. Or, or he beats up an old guy. <laughs> like, and, you know, and it, oh, he can't win. He can't win. He can't win. You know, and, and I did that. So I like, you know, I sent him a note apologizing and, uh, and I, I did, I, you know, I just felt like, dude, his life is hard. His life oh, yeah. is hard. <laughs> this is the one thing he has going for him. Uh, why? Talk about punching down. Yeah, no, seriously. <laughs> and he is. And Joe, he's shorter than me. So, and I'm five Literally seven. doing it, yeah. Uh, Paul, th thank you very much, man. Y you're awesome. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. No worries, Thanks man. a lot. Nice meeting you. Yeah, you, you as well, Joe. Have Take a good care. one. Bye. Uh, I tell you about me. My, my name is Paul Borick. Um, I need to I need to clear the air real quick. Uh, one of my friends brought up to me recently. Apparently, if you Google my name, uh, there's something that pops up. Uh, it's uh, there's a sexual assault charge for a Paul Borick in uh, South Carolina at a rec center pool. Um, that was not me. I'd just like to say that was not me. Uh, that was that was my grandfather, you guys. <laughs> I, I fucking wish that was a joke. Oh boy, <laughs> he's he's dead though. Wow, silence! Oh my god, who side are you guys on? Jesus Christ, man! Oh. Yeah, no. we fucking shot him, you guys. That was that was the final straw. You know? That was it was just like mice and men. We took him out of the woods. You know, I I mean, things pop off right now. We pop pop.
know, man. I do drive a lot, though. I was uh, I was sitting in traffic the other day, and I was stuck in traffic behind a Marvel fan, and I knew they were a Marvel fan because they had a Thor sticker on their car. I was like, corny, okay. Um, no, but I mean, it's cool. You know, I like what you like, but um, yeah, Marvel, Marvel, correct? Yes, that's what I said. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I uh, I was sitting behind this person in traffic, and they had a Thor sticker on their car. But it didn't say it didn't say Thor. It said Father, you know, like spelled F A T H O R. But the T was uh, Thor's hammer, and I was like, that's even cornier than before, you know. But I, I read it wrong the first time because I'm like half dyslexic, and I was like, you know, I understand not getting along with your spouse, but I, it seems a little too far to put a sticker on your car that says Fat Whore. You know? <laughs> it's it's over the line, man. It's over the line.